Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Once again, for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. I want to thank everyone for coming to the show tonight, whether you are listening live or to the podcast later. Uh, We have a guest on this evening uh, running for lieutenant governor here in Ohio uh, with his, I would say, running made of source, but she's on the top that they can marry Taylor. Uh, but we have uh, Mr. Nathan Estruth uh, calling and joining us tonight, and I believe uh, we already have him on the line, and I know he's got uh, only about a half hour for us, so I'll try to get my questions out as quickly as I can uh, so that if we can open up some questions to those who already see have called in, uh, just push the one on your number dial. We'll get you in. Hopefully we'll be able to get uh, just some of your co- questions and comments in first. But let's go ahead and welcome our guest, and that's Mr. Nathan Estruth. Thank you very much, uh, sir, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well, Robert. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, doing well, doing well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so we'll get right to it because I was uh, told by, I believe, Michael that uh, we got to do a hard stop at 1030. So I'm going to do my best to be able to, to get that done for you and, and get some questions out of here for you. Now, the primary is next. uh, It's coming up Tuesday, is it not? Yes, it is. That's right. Uh, Less than six days left now before the Tuesday primary. Early voting has been going on for a couple weeks, uh, but lots of folks holding back. Early voting is uh, a little slower than normal. Lots of undecided voters still out there. Yeah, I think the last time I seen it was like 26 percent when I was looking at the polls. Um, That's correct. And actually, I mean, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, this this race has closed 25 points over the last six to seven weeks. Uh, we basically are in a dead heat with Mary Taylor versus Mike DeWine. Uh, very clear, conservative, outsider ticket where Mary Taylor and I bring conservative credentials that are unmatched. We bring 40-plus years of private sector experience. And the DeWine-Husted ticket brings uh, 60-plus years of career politicians and liberal ones at that. So there's a really clear choice with almost no private sector experience on their side. And uh, as conservatives have started waking up, realizing that the uh, the primary is upon us, um, they've uh, started coming to the uh, Taylor Estruth ticket. And that's been helped by a number of endorsements that we've rolled out over the last two weeks, including uh, U.S. Senator Rand Paul, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, U.S. Senator Mike Lee, uh, the American Conservative Union, uh, Michelle Bachman, 
Ken Blackwell, uh, Gun Owners of America. It goes on and on. But basically, uh, you know, we we have a number of national conservatives that have said, uh, please, you know, uh, sending the message to conservatives in Ohio that uh, Mike DeWine is anything but what he says he is, which is uh, a quote unquote rock solid conservative, which uh, when you look at his record is almost laughable, honestly. Well, actually, uh, you, you kind of touched on a few things I was going to ask about tonight already. Um, and so, you know, one is, you know, there, there is a little bit, it is closing, uh, you know, the gap is closing. Uh, so what on the final push, these final six days, uh, do you and it, do you have planned or, or what do you think uh, you'll be doing to get this last push to, to take it over the top? Well, uh, Mary Taylor and I have been on a uh, now 175 events across 72 counties in the last six weeks. Uh, we're continuing that. If anything, we're stepping up that pace here in the final six days, as you would expect. Uh, we have events across the state uh, from you know, the northeast to the northwest, from Cleveland and east of Cleveland all the way over to the, the Toledo area. Um, I started in Southwest Ohio. We did events in uh, Columbus and Zanesville today. Um, we've got a number of different uh, national uh, prayer events tomorrow as well that we'll be dropping in on. And, um, you know, we're just hitting the trail hard. Uh, sometimes we're together, but most of the time we're a part at this point, just trying to meet and greet as many people as we can and get the message out. And uh, it's amazing the, uh, the energy and the enthusiasm that has come um, on the trail in in recent days, uh, as folks realize that uh, there is a clear choice, and um, you know there was there's been a lot of confusion uh, because of just the saturation bombing that has occurred with the millions of dollars that uh, Mike DeWine has uh, put into this race as he has watched his lead vanish, um, and uh, so. You know, as people are trying to sort through, well, uh, you know, how is it that Mike DeWine could say he's a conservative and uh, trying to understand who Mary Taylor is? Because, quite frankly, she's, you know, kind of been dwarfed by this uh, this massive, uh, you know, Governor Kasich persona, if you will. And, you know, they have to look back at she's the same conservative she always has been uh, to realize that. And, of course, they don't know me. I've never run for office before. I just stepped out of the private sector after 27 years at Procter & Gamble, uh, working on their innovation strategy and startup companies, and most recently running a manufacturing company in the city of Hamilton for the last four years. So um, there's lots for voters to sort through, and so we're finding that they really appreciate the meet and greets, the, uh, the times just to sit, hear what we'd like to do in Ohio, and answer their questions. And it's interesting you know, uh, what the establishment does, what uh, Mike DeWine and John Husted do is they only show up in rooms that are controlled by the Ohio Republican Party. Um, they don't do open meet and greets where people can just fire away and ask questions. Um, and as much as possible, they try and shut us out of those Republican rooms and prevent us from speaking. Um, I've, uh, my wife and I lived in communist China from 95 to 98 working for Procter & Gamble. And we had uh, women that stood outside our hallway in the apartment building where we lived and literally logged when we walked in and when we walked out 24-7. Uh, we were observed 24-7. Uh, I had more free speech in China than I do in the Ohio Republican Party rooms that I walk into. It's, uh, it's un-American and it's unconscionable. We'll hear those stories out on the trail and you, you name names and you name events 
and you say, yep, and the chairmen that do let me talk in these counties, they get calls from the Attorney General of Ohio threatening them if they allow me to speak. Um, that's where we are at this point in the Ohio Republican Party in Ohio, and it's time to clear it out. It's time for a change. Well, well, a couple things, and, and you, certainly I'm looking at a, uh, a list here of the questions you've touched on. Uh, you know, a couple of them already, but we'll get more into it. And, and speaking of Dewine, to my understanding, I think he's been he's been in some type of political office since 1977. Um, yeah, and that's <laughs> almost my entire life, <laughs> minus my great my uh, my kindergarten years or. Something. <laughs> yeah, isn't that true? You know, I'm uh, my. I, I say on the trail, I have two two ways I talk about that. One is I say I'm 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 over fifty. I'm retired after 27 years at PNG, raising four kids in Southwest Ohio. I was nine years old when Mike Dewine was first elected to public office, right? And then uh, then I also have fun. I ask crowds, you know, so does anybody remember how long the children of Israel wandered in the desert? You know, and you hear, you know, people yell out 40 years and you say, yeah, that seemed like a long time, but it's short compared to how long Mike DeWine's been on the public dole. And it's really true. Uh, And when you look towards November and you say, who's our best foot forward against a Richard Cordray? Do you really think that 60 years of career politicians with almost zero private sector experience and a liberal record to boot is the best we can do? I think it's the sure way to lose against a Richard Cordray. We have to nominate Mary Taylor and Nathan Estruth. And honestly, I wasn't looking to run for office. Uh, Mary Taylor came knocking, looking for someone to step out of the private sector who had impeccable conservative credentials. And we looked at this race, and my wife and I said, if Mary Taylor's knocking, there's no way that we can allow Mike DeWine to just be coronated and walk in and lose in November. It's too important to the state of Ohio. So that's why we're here, and uh, we've been hitting it hard. And honestly, uh, with six days left, uh, this is an absolute dead heat with 25% undecided. So folks need to spread the word about Mike DeWine's record. They've got to spread the word about the truth versus the millions of dollars of lies that have been put up on TV, slandering Mary Taylor, attacking her family, calling himself a rock-solid conservative. Of all things, Mr. 42 Years Career Politician is up on the air calling Mary Taylor a career politician. Uh, you know, So it's, uh, it's – talk about turning the truth upside down. Uh, I think it's what happens when you're in office that long. You actually convince yourself – that you know what you want to believe is the truth versus what you actually did. Well, and also, you know, there was another endorsement out there. Uh, Mike Huckabee, I believe, endorsed uh, your ticket as well. And and so that being said, and then of course on the flip side, you have uh, newspapers such as the Plain Dealer and the in Cleveland.com, who recently had an article uh, stating dark money flowing to the 2018 Ohio Republican primary. You know, those are the type of folks who. Uh, You've backed or endorsed even. I mean, even endorsed uh, uh, Mike DeWine. Uh, but why do you think the Ohio Republican Party uh, endorsed? And you mentioned uh, also about uh, coronation. I mean, that's, it seems like the Republican Party kind of likes to do that. You know, that's what they did with, in my opinion, uh, to um, in 2012 and the presidential election. They, they wanted to get Romney in there, so he's pretty much coordinated. So they like to do that. So why do you think? Uh, the Ohio Republican Party endorsed uh, DeWine? Well, the answer is quite simple. Uh, If you look at the party hierarchy, it's controlled by the power structure 
of John Kasich, the current governor. If you look at Mike DeWine's campaign manager, his name is Dave Luketic. Dave Luketic's job prior to running Mike DeWine's campaign was running John Kasich's super PAC for president. This is an effort to control the nominee and the party in the hopes that they can somehow perpetuate John Kasich's plans in running for office in 2020. It is that simple. It is that blatant. And uh, they, have, uh, they have in every way possible locked it down at the state central committee level, which is where that vote occurred. It's 66 people and, you know, in a smoke-filled room in Columbus that decided they were going to coronate Mike DeWine. And uh, Mary Taylor walked in there and said, you know, welcome to Mike DeWine's living room. And I just ask you not to endorse. I don't even want your endorsement. Let the people decide on May 8th. So that's, uh, that's why they've done it. It's very clear. They've uh, gone through a coronation process. Uh, you know, some of the folks in the room bought into what was the inevitability myth. Well, when DeWine had John Husted join him, right? John Husted was one of the other candidates for governor. He's current secretary of state. And uh, so you have the AG and the secretary of state now running as a ticket. John Husted had more money raised than anyone else. So when you combined it with Mike DeWine, they had over $10 million. And, you know, folks looked and said, well, how can anyone compete against, you know, 100% name ID of Mike DeWine, been on the ballot for 42 years, and $10 million. And so people just fell in line. And if they didn't fall in line, we had people calling saying, you know that I'm with you, but I have to vote this way. And the read between the lines is people were threatened, uh, families and jobs, you know, were threatened. And I think, you know, that's why we need a wholesale clearing out of the process of the Ohio Republican Party. You know, I've never been involved in the party politics. I've stood for champions in the public square, even though I've been a private sector guy. My wife and I have helped fundraisers in our home, multiple ones for Jim Jordan over the years. We've, you know, uh, tried to help conservative Christian champions nationally. And, uh, you know, what I have found, again, is that the squelching of free speech in the party is uh, exactly to perpetuate the power of those in charge. And so you need a wholesale rule change, in my mind, where you want to run for state central committee, you can't be on the employee list, you can't be on the payroll of the Ohio Republican Party or of the state government, nor should anyone in your family. Let's have true grassroots activists that are in it for the right reasons. Not that some of the folks that are there aren't in it for the right reasons they are, but they're culpable when they're threatened. They, they become part of the problem. And so we shouldn't allow people, I think, to be in that position. And I've got a few more questions. However, uh, since we do have uh, the limits of time, and again, I want to be able to respect it for you. I do have some folks uh, who already have some questions. So, uh, people, when I let you in, if we can just limit the uh, conversation to either a comment or question uh, to our guest tonight, because uh, we literally only have about 15 minutes, and so I might be able to take, you know, three of your calls, five minutes each, uh, with, you know, comments or questions for him, and then, you know, maybe some other point when he's lieutenant governor, we can have him back on uh, the show. But let's go ahead, and I'll do it in the order of people who called in. And speaking about nationally, we've got calls here. Uh, and I know which I'm in. The first one here is actually from Florida, and that's Dr. Tolbert. Thank you very much for coming to the show. Uh, what uh, comment or question you have for our guest tonight? Yeah, and, and first, let me just uh, let him know I'm running for the U.S. Senate in Florida. And in addition, I submitted my application 
with the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and I'm a doctor of education. So there's three really things. Number one is Ohio, along with Florida, has closed primaries, which is unconstitutional. So the question would be, where do you stand on that? The second question is the DACA deferred action children arrival, which is uh, taking away the sovereign rights of the state when the federal government gets involved over the governor when you're a sovereign state and you're supposed to be able to control that. Where do you stand under the Constitution uh, in doing that? And thirdly and lastly, where do you stand on term limits uh, for senators and other individuals in uh, the political parties? Great. Well, thank you for the questions, uh, Dr. Tolbert. I appreciate it. I'm going to take them in reverse order. Term limits is simple. Uh, absolutely in favor of term limits. Um, we, uh, we do have them in the Ohio legislature. I'd like to see them uh, stiffened. We end up with uh, folks that run for the House. They get term limited out. They jump over to the, the Senate. Then they get term limited out. They jump over to the House. So they figure out ways around, but uh, they're, they're better to have than not, for sure. I'm very supportive of that and uh, supportive of efforts to extend that further within, within our republic. On the issue of, uh, I'll just say, amnesty, DACA, Im, you know, immigration, at the end of the day, there could not be a more stark choice between Mike DeWine and Mary Taylor and Nathan Estruth. Mike DeWine, as U.S. Senator of Ohio, in just his final term, voted for amnesty three times. He partnered with Hillary Clinton to do so. He sent his own spokesperson out and bragged that he co-fashioned that amnesty bill with Hillary Clinton. He voted to spend taxpayer dollars for tuition for illegals. He voted to spend taxpayer dollars on Social Security for illegals. Mike DeWine voted multiple times to uh, support and advance chain migration. So again and again, Mike DeWine has failed. He came back to Ohio and as attorney general, he mandated, mandated that all Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles offices give out driver's licenses to illegals in Ohio. That's Mike DeWine. That is his record. Mary Taylor and Nathan Estes have said very clearly, one, we would partner with the Trump administration to, number one, shut down sanctuary cities in Ohio using the power of the purse. Mary's an accountant. She got the Guardian of the Treasury Award when she was a state auditor. She has said, my first budget will contain language that literally shuts off any funds for any municipality that does not enforce federal immigration law. And we partner with the Trump administration to do that. We also would then bring reinforcing statutes that would bring civil and perhaps, sorry, financial and criminal penalties for local elected office holders. This is fashioned after the law in Texas that has now been upheld by the Fifth Circuit. We believe it would be a key part of how we would shut this down. So, you know, you have a very, very clear choice on that issue. And then on the, the first question you ask around open or closed primaries, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what you're headed there for, but in Ohio, you, you can walk in and pull a ballot of any party. Um, but it sounded like you were saying it was otherwise. So if you walk in and say, I want the Republican ballot, that is what you can pull and you can vote. I'm reading. Yeah, uh, and, and under the and being an Ohio voter, um, I, I, I see that. Well, real quick, we got uh, literally 30 seconds, and I want to bring our, our other caller in. Uh, for that, go ahead. Well, no, actually, you know, Dr. Tolbert, I apologize because we do have such limited time. I really do deeply 
apologize, but we also have uh, uh, Joseph here uh, from Hawaii uh, who's uh, on the line. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. Thank you very much for coming to the show. Uh, so sorry about that. It's actually great to be on the show. Uh, how are you? Good, good. Great, great. So um, I've been listening to uh, what the uh, candidate has to say, and I wanted to ask you, sir, uh, I really like your uh, platform, uh, but I want to um, have an idea of what are your views of uh, John Kasich's record as governor of Ohio? Um, I'm someone who actually campaigned for him in the election cycle. And do you think that he is moving Ohio in the positive uh, conservative direction, both physically, uh, both fiscally, and both on uh, the social conservative platform? So what I would say fundamentally is John Kasich has left the conservative beliefs that he had previously exhibited in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, his record in the House would uh, largely have probably put him in the Freedom Caucus zone uh, if that had existed when he was there. Uh, his first couple of years, uh, you know, we saw some good tax reform, uh, you know, basically shrinking of the government. But he has left his conservative principles and I would argue even has left uh, the Republican Party uh, with where he has gone recently. And I'll just give you a few examples. Mary Taylor and I have very clearly said we would end John Kasich's Medicaid expansion. We are the only candidates that have said we will do so. Uh, we would embrace tr uh, the Trump administration's Medicaid to work opening, and we would also push hard to bring drug testing for Medicaid recipients, as well as ending the marriage penalty for the state Medicaid dollars um, that we have control over if we're in the governor's office. We have said we will end Common Core we will end it, and we will send back to the local school districts and parents control over their education dollars, ripping out the mandates that go with it, and returning federal dollars if we have to to get that done. We will just bring in simple graduation requirements with a much stronger focus on vocational and professional certificates that local school districts can decide how they implement. As a guy who spent uh, the last four years building a manufacturing business in Ohio, I can tell you I hear this every day when I talk to business leaders and I experienced it for four years myself. The hardest thing to grow a business in Ohio is to find good quality people that will take and pass a drug test. So we would immediately change those policies John Kasich vetoed the heartbeat bill. Mary Taylor, Nathan Estes would call for the heartbeat bill again to be passed by the legislature, and we would sign it. We also support the bill that is now about to be dropped in the Ohio House to ban abortion, no exceptions. Mary Taylor signed on to just such a bill when she was in the House in 0506, the state house. She was the only woman to sign on to that bill to ban abortion, no exception at that time, and we would sign such a bill if it could be passed in the state legislature today. There are many other examples. I will go to the Second Amendment freedoms. John Kasich has recently called for additional restrictions. Mary Taylor stood on the courthouse uh, Capitol steps, sorry, in Columbus in front of uh, over a thousand supporters, held up a gun, her shotgun, and said basically, come and take it from me, Mike DeWine and John Kasich. No further restrictions on Second Amendment freedoms for law-abiding Ohioans. 
at the end of the day, the problem is not the guns. It's people. We need to enforce the laws that we have on the books. Uh, I could go on, but basically Kasich has failed us. He has left us, and Mary Taylor and Nathan Estruth will end those failures and bring back conservative governance to Ohio. Hopefully that answered your question sufficiently. Sure. And and just one more question. I I hate to do this because we are really on a hard – we really have to do a hard stop. We really have uh, no 1030, and we have uh, Kelly from California on the line. And so let's no go problem. ahead and bring him open. And then, because uh, I want to believe it, I'll leave just the, the last minute, to be honest, for uh, me to do some closing comments on it. So let's go ahead and bring in uh, sure. Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. Uh, how are you tonight? Hey, you're doing good. I'm glad for this guest. And uh, I first want to start out with a compliment. And by the way, I'm a libertarian. Um, I left the Republican Party years ago. But a uh, compliment here. From your experience, and, and, and not just from your experience you've told me, but by the way you communicate, you are a get-things-done kind of guy. I mean, get things done. I mean, my gosh, it's not easy to, to run a manufacturing plant and, and all the things you've done. You're a get-things-done kind of guy, so an enormous compliment to you there. Um, Thank you. I want to – yeah, I, I just – I love I love it when private sector goes into um, – go into government. You know, a local judge, he's – Acquitting all sorts of cases. <laughs> he was a defense attorney. So anyway, um, so yeah, I, I'm uh, okay. Where to start here? Because I'm, I'm really excited about hearing you. I, I would I would encourage to have your campaign staff take this 30 minutes and splash it around the web. You can download it, put it on YouTube, Facebook, it, email, whatever. Splash it around half an hour, and it's an electronic advantage you have. So I would really encourage that, and, and and friends tell their friends to splash this around the web because you got somebody that uh, get things done kind of guy. My question, I'm sorry, I'm trying to help you with your campaign. My question, what in the heck is going on with the Republican Party? Is it now the Libertarians are kicked out from a lawsuit that the Republicans think they can do whatever the heck they want? What is going on with the Republican Party of Ohio? Yeah, well, as Kelly, as I referenced before, uh, believe me, I no one was more shocked than me, right? Uh, I I agreed to step away on January 10th on a 7:30 a.m. conference call with, uh, uh, you know, my fellow vice presidents globally at Procter and Gamble, and announced my retirement. Six hours later, at City Gospel Mission with Mary Taylor, I stepped onto the stage, and uh, three weeks after stepping in. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I, I wouldn't say I've been, uh, you know, active in the Republican Party, but clearly most all of the candidates that my wife and I have supported over the years have been Republican. Right. And uh, I, no one was more shocked than me to walk into that room of 66 folks in Columbus and uh, basically be told the election was over. Uh, they've decided they've coronated. And, um, you know, here's here's the deal. Rather than uh, bemoan the, the state of the Republican Party and the way that they've handled this in Ohio, what we are finding is that move has backlashed. People are upset. And when we're out talking with the grassroots, uh, they are very upset that that occurred. Uh, and they closed ranks, you know, against a sitting conservative lieutenant governor. Uh, the head of the party had promised to hold debates and not to endorse, and they've done the exact opposite. No debates, and they endorsed. And uh, the Democrats, by the way, have had five or six debates just in the last three months. Um, so, you know, it's uh, – talk about 
egg on our face in terms of uh, Republicans, um, at the end of the day, you know, we are the party that stands uh, for our constitutional freedoms, and that includes free speech, and it needs to start within our own house. And so that's what Mary Taylor and I will bring. We will bring a uh, constitutional private sector perspective to not only the state but also the party and get this cleaned up. But it's very clear when you look at Mike DeWine and John Husted's record, uh, they're part of the problem here. Right. Uh, they were bragging at that time about how they've been endorsed by just about everyone in the state house. And now that our speaker of the house has had to resign under FBI investigation, you know, Mike DeWine isn't out there bragging about his endorsement anymore, but he also hasn't rescinded it. He hasn't rejected it. Um, they are part of the issue. And if Republicans and conservatives and libertarians don't want Richard Cordray in November, there really is only one conservative choice, and it's Mary Taylor and Nathan Estreeth, and we've got six days to get it done. And honestly, while I appreciate that many of you are not from Ohio, I know many of you are uh, listeners, but those who aren't, I know that most all of you know people in Ohio. And so my appeal to you is please, 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 yes, I'll take your advice. We'll take this 30 minutes. We'll use it. Um, but you can, too. Uh, you can go to dcdewine.org, dcdewine.org, and see the horrendous record of Mike DeWine and send it around. Breitbart released a story just last night on uh, Mike DeWine accepting money at a uh, mosque in Columbus affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood, whose imam who was there at the time is now under, uh, in jail in Egypt under death sentence uh, for terrorism. And, uh, you know, he, he just basically whatever – I was talking to a former uh, U.S. Uh, Na- Navy SEAL today who, uh, who basically was saying, you know, this is classic establishment. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the country or the state. It's all about them, and if they can get dollars, they'll go wherever they need. And that's who Mike DeWine is. That's, that's who he has proven himself to be. And uh, it's scary that we haven't, uh, you know, pulled further ahead in this race. But honestly, we've closed 25-point gap with them outspending us five to one on the airwaves. Five commercials for every one we run, lying about Mary Taylor, lying about her record. Um, and at the end of the day, we've still managed to close it. But there's 25% of the folks out there that are hanging out there undecided. And so whatever folks can do to take this information take the record if you like what you've heard tonight if you're scared by dewine whatever it may be and send it to everyone you know in ohio it's critically important so that we can actually keep ohio red in november well definitely i thank you for uh coming on and what uh one quick note is that I, I don't know exactly where trump was or what he said but uh, he was in ohio and he gave a shout out uh to mary taylor and it would be great if within the next six days that shout-out could turn to some uh, sort of endorsement from him. Uh, I know we've got folks who have actually gotten letters to, to Donald Trump or at least his staff or campaign. So, you know, for those folks out there who are not uh, from Ohio but also have been able to send those letters out, uh, I think that would be great because, uh, you know, yourself, uh, Mr. Estruth and Mary Taylor, they certainly have my endorsement. Um, I've looked at the, the candidates when Ranassi was, was running. Uh, we're looking at them as well, uh, and yeah, I definitely don't want uh, DeWine in either. So I do uh, appreciate you giving us uh, the opportunity uh, to be able to speak with you. I want to wish the best of luck, and uh, again, folks, uh, you know, do what you can. Even if you're not in the in Ohio, uh, to get this letter out. I mean, I think 
if you can get you know the people in the grassroots to you know, get the Trump and say you know hey give them that you know gave a shout out now let's turn that to an endorsement. Uh, but I want to thank you, you know, Nathan uh, for coming on. Appreciate it. And I want to wish uh, you and uh, Mary uh, the best in the next six days. And uh, you know hope you guys uh, take it there on Tuesday. Thank you very much. I, I greatly appreciate it. Appreciate having the opportunity to talk with you and your listeners, and I look forward to coming back again, hopefully uh, after May 8th here, and uh, we can talk about uh, all the issues in front of us as we uh, gear up to beat Richard Cordray. Sounds great. Well, you have a good evening. Take care. You as well. Thanks, Robert. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good night. And, uh, yeah, again, I mean, I, uh, you know, I hate it to have to, to, to push folks off, but, I mean, the guy um, who got the – you know, the interview with them this evening, I've said, I mean, it's a hard stop at, at, at 1030. So, I want, and I want to be able to get folks in, um, uh, in there. And so we, uh, you know, I apologize, but you know how I don't like cutting people off. Uh, so let's go ahead and br- um, b- bring people back in. It looks like we, uh, we had Jim Condit uh, Jr. on the line. Uh, looks like uh, he, he hopefully he gets a call back in. I'll, I'll reach back out to him because uh, he was going to go over some things uh, he's working with with Watch the Vote USA and open uh, letter to Donald Trump. Uh, and perhaps that could also be uh, a way we could reach out to Trump for what, you know, our c- candidate we had on this evening. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it back around. Uh, even though, uh, and just in case they do, well, I have this, and I get this podcast and they decide to uh, listen to the rest of it and, and maybe get some ideas uh, from it. So let's go ahead and bring it back around. I know there's some things that people wanted to say or wanted to ask, uh, but did get the opportunity to do so, so we can go ahead and and bring it around and, and see what else they want to ask, and we'll do it in the, the same order. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert. Go ahead. Dr. Colbert, you still up? You're still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Great. Go ahead. I guess you got to take it off a of mute to make it work, huh? Yeah. The, the the question I had asked that I'm confused about was the uh, open and closed primary, where what it reads in Ohio is Ohio has a closed system where a voter must declare a party when voting in a primary by selecting the ballot of a particular party. A voter can remain independent in a primary. So the question is, can a independent, non-party affiliated person, are they allowed to vote in Ohio for a Republican or a Democrat? Or must they remain under their particular um, no party, as in Florida, our primaries are completely closed where only Democrats and Republicans can vote? Well, I want to go ahead and answer that for you, if if that helps. Um, Ohio, yes, it's a closed state. However, you can register in that new party that very day. So you have to know that you got to switch from independent to Republican to vote for the Republican. If you want a Republican ballot in the primary, you have to um, register that day, and they'll help you with that and turn it into a provisional ballot. But in California, for example, it's May 18th this year. If you don't register as a Republican uh, by May 18th, you cannot vote for a Republican in the primary in California. 
It's a weird, and every state is different. So, yes, it's somewhat open, but yes, it's somewhat closed. So, if you're an independent and you really like a Republican, they're going to hand you a belt that says independent and the Republican candidate isn't on it. So, you got to do a provisional. You got to, like, I'm registering today Republican so I can go for this Republican or Democrat if you want that, but Democrat. It's, yeah. it's, it's a somewhat of a better system compared to other states that um, you're locked in. That's it. Now, by the way, here's something weird about California. Okay. Let's suppose one thing. you are. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> God bless California, I think, because that's the only thing that will help these days. All right. So in California, you're a registered Republican, all right? And let's suppose you love some independent. Um, the most amazing, phenomenal independent you've ever seen. You want to vote for him in the primary. Now, okay. Whoops, something in the background. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, well, let's 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 say that you're an independent. I'm sorry. I, I, I got to start this now, over because there are particulars. All right. So let's suppose you're an independent voter. All right. You're an independent voter in California. You're independent on election day, and you want to vote for a Republican because the Republicans are the most, you know, it's Ron Paul, New Gingrich combined, whatever. Okay, so you got the the most amazing Republican candidate, and you're an independent. You're there at the polls that day, and say, I want to vote for, you know, uh, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson's awesome. He's a Republican. I, don't, I want that. I want that ballot. Guess what? They have to give it to you. However, that vote won't count. By law, they have to give you a vote that your vote won't count. <laughs> Does that make sense? They have to give you a whatever ballot you demand, Democrat, Independent, Green, Republican, whatever. But unless your registration lines up with that party, you're toast. So you can't go from Independent, Republican on that day. You have to vote Republican. I mean, yeah, you can vote for that Republican and get that ballot. But it doesn't count if you're an in, registered as an independent. You get the Republican ballot. You vote for the best things in sliced bread candidate. You, oh boy, I feel good. I voted for him. Guess what? It doesn't legally count. Isn't that you know, and, and, then, um, and in Ohio, I mean, I mean, that, that's how I voted for that. That's how I was able to uh, go to the, the the Green Party convention. Really, um, is I, I I walked in. It was a vote, time to vote in the primary. Um, and I, you know, so I picked up a Green Party ballot and, and voted that um, because there was actually a person in the Green Party uh, who was pretty conservative for a uh, you know a Green Party candidate. Um, I mean, really, Sonny. I mean, I I think we even had him on the show. I believe we even had him on a show uh, back uh, in 2016. And so, you know, his Green Party. You know, I mean, he didn't get the nomination. I mean, this. Um, you know, someone else did. I, I mean, I, I think it was the presidential one because, um, and of course, we know who, who won that one. But anyway, but uh, but yet, so I was able to do that. And now this time, I'm definitely going to be going in and, uh, you know, getting a Republican ballot because, I mean, because here's the thing once again, I mean, just much like when we had, uh, you know, Obama and, you know, and Romney, I mean, you're pretty much voting for the same person, right? <laughs> And I think with uh, with Cordray and with DeWine, again, you're kind of voting for the same thing. So it really doesn't matter who wins, to be honest, if it's between those two. But, but go ahead, Kelly. 
Well, I, I, like I said before, I'd always like to see Mitt Romney debate himself. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I really like this candidate because real simply, as I said, look, he's a get-it-done kind of guy. You can tell he's been um, the leader of many a people. You can tell how in a half an hour we know more about him than we do most candidates because he's able to communicate fluently, effectively, and excellently. So I'm just like, wow, Robert, how'd you get him on your show? Well, I, I, actually, I was at the event uh, that he was discussing. I didn't bring it up then, but I was actually at the event where she named him the uh, that she named him as a running mate. I was there, uh, and one of their uh, I don't know if he wants to be named, but there was uh, someone within her campaign who. Uh, you know, I was speaking with and connected with during the Trump campaign, and you know, I've been trying for a bit to, to get him himself and himself and Mary on, you know, or one or the other both would have been you know, preferable. And I was actually trying. You mentioned a couple times about a debate. Well, you know, I was trying to get uh, a debate between uh, Mary Taylor and uh, Mike DeWine, and then uh, Houston and Estruth. Uh But of course, as you heard. They they really didn't they never debated. They had some kind of like uh, you know talk together you know for I think uh, Cleveland.com or something to find out who Cleveland.com was going to endorse. You know of course and they endorsed uh, you know Mike DeWine. So if you got if you got news periodicals you know <laughs> newspapers and and online newspapers or whatever endorse, endorsing someone, well guess what? <laughs> but let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you. Uh, Joseph, and then you know what you wanted to, to hear, and and that, and then we'll bring in I believe Susan, and then we'll bring it back to you, Doctor Tolbert. And I thought I seen Jim Connor Jr. on the line. Uh, I'm going to uh, you know reach out and see if uh, you know he, he may, may perhaps he got a call or something like that, and he, he'll call back in. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Joseph. And then uh, we have Susan on the line. We'll get Susan in, and then we'll bring things around from there. Uh, go ahead, uh, Joseph. Sure. Um, you know, I, I really like what the candidate had to say. Um, uh, the the last question I wanted to ask him, and I kind of want to get your opinion on this, uh, Robert, because you actually do reside in uh, in in Ohio, is uh, you have a lot of uh, loyal Republicans that are loyal to uh, John Kasich, and um, uh, they they admire his record, and uh, you know Ohio problems has one of the best uh, state economies uh going forward and um what do you what do you see would be uh the biggest challenge or how would you see a candidate um like the one that was on your show overcome a divided uh GOP party in Ohio where you have a, a large fraction that uh is very happy with John Kasich and his vision and has supported him throughout his uh, two terms as governor. Uh, and he's even popular amongst Democrats as well, um, although he's very moderate. Uh, but that was the question I wanted to ask the candidate, but I'd like to get your perspective on that. Well, I'd say that, you know, just in my opinion, I actually think that, yeah, that the people who would – now, even though she was his running mate uh, – I, I hate to say it, but I think that the people who would support Kasich are, are probably more likely to 
to support DeWine, really. That's that, that's my thing, uh, my opinion there. Uh, I think it's the people who are newly in Ohio within the Republican Party, and I wouldn't even really call them newly within the Republican Party. I think uh, they voted for a Republican because they voted for Trump. Um, that's why I think it would be you know great for you know, the Taylor Estruth campaign uh, to be able to get some type of real endorsement. I mean. I, I, I tried to find something about it just that, you know, she got a shout out from him, but it wasn't like an endorsement, you know, and then DeWine, he was nowhere to be seen at that event. And so he was out doing, he was already booked is what I read. And, and so the, I think it's going to, and I think it's better for uh, the new Republicans, you know, to come in. Cause I think the new Republicans coming in are more leaning towards conservative and more libertarian, whereas, you know the the folks who, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, uh, Joseph and I agree with you uh, that the ones who are you know supportive of Kasich and still are. And, and he mentioned his record. I mean, at least when his record in the House, how you know he thought, yeah, he did great in the House, but as governor, for some reason he 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 moved left, and then by moving left, you know maybe he's more moderate, more centered. Um, and I, I'm not a real big fan of of moderates, you know, <laughs> myself. Um, you know, and so and also. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, you know, with, with, with different, you know, different of his records. But I mean, that's where I kind of stand. That I hope that answers your your question. Definitely. And, and one more question. Um, you know, Ohio does have one of the best state economies. Um, they have a very low cost of living, deflation. Uh, as a fellow Ohioan, I mean, compared to uh, other states that are just completely uh, on the brinks of collapse, uh, like Illinois, California, uh, Florida, you, you, you have New York, you have Hawaii. Um, as a fellow Ohioan, do you think that compared to other states that are doing, you know, 10 times far worse, do you think that Ohio is in the right direction, but just needs, you know, new leadership um, such as the candidate that was uh, on the show. Um, and that's probably my last question about that, because only you would know best since you do reside in, in, in the state. Well, I mean, I would say, be, you know, say it was, you know, getting better. I don't know if it's, you know, particularly under Kasich. It might, you know, I mean, it might be, you know, it's, it's getting even some better with, with Trump. Um, and I would say that it was doing well economically, but one of the things that, kind of was moving, you know, backwards is when, and that's one of the pet peeves where a lot of people who at one point were supportive of Kasich and they've kind of backed away. And it's only one issue, but a lot of folks think, see it as a big issue uh, is where he, you know, basically expanded, expanded to my understanding, you know, a lot the the Medicaid system and, 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 and allowing that. And then of course you also heard our guest tonight talk about the, uh, you know, opening up the door for, you know, tuition for illegals, thing of that need, but people like, and then, he, I mean, and, and he also, immigration-wise, was kind of like an open-door policy guy, and he was kind of like an open-borders guy, you know, Kasich was. Um, and I think, I know a lot of people were upset that, and, you know, he, I think what he, I think he, the problem of what he did is what Bush did. He, he tried to act like he was a, uh, he, he and, encased his what some call liberalism, uh, to be try to be a compassionate conservative, and that's what Bush did. I mean, when you look back, Bush the Younger, as people call him, uh, you know, he called it compassionate conservatism, 
where a lot of people say, well, that's, he's just a liberal. <laughs> you know, he's a, a spending liberal, you know, with uh, the social programs, things of that nature. You know, no child left behind, things of that nature. Um, and so, I mean, him moving in that direction, as our guest pointed out, I, I think that re- I mean, I think that really hurt him. Um, and I think he, you know, didn't lose all of his support, uh, you know, obviously, and probably didn't, I wouldn't even say maybe even lost most. But two things, one, the way he was with Trump, and two, his you know, last couple of years, you know, record in Ohio uh, w- with that. And I think that I think that's really hurt him. And unfortunately for him, uh, I think it's going to end up in some ways, you know, putting blemishes on his on his record. You know, in like it, the further he got in his career, the the actual more more liberal he became. Thank you. Or at least so much, more, Roderick. or at least more. Mo- some would say more moderate, uh, but I mean, somebody would go, especially with that Medicaid expansion. That was huge. Thank you for that, because that gives me a lot of um, peace of mind of a lot of unresolved questions I've always had after the campaign ended, and uh, I, you know, um, I believed at the time when he was running that. Um, as a moderate, he would appeal more to the independent base at the time, and uh, he did have a positive. But he he did at the time have a positive record as governor of Ohio, and uh, that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to campaign for him. And uh, thank you for giving me that that um, honest perspective, because uh, it's kind of something that's been on my mind uh, for a few years, and. Uh, so you lifted the weight off off of my shoulders uh, regarding that. Thanks, Robert. Well, I appreciate it. And can can you really believe that 2016 has already been a year? You know, two years away. It's crazy. I can't believe it's been two years already. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, get Susan on, and I'm going to see if we can uh, uh, reach, or at least watch, you know, we have her on. I'm going to see if I can reach uh, Jim Connick because I know he was uh, calling in tonight uh, to go over what they're working on. And as well as, yeah, certainly folks out there, I mean, I know, Dr. Tolbert, you know, you're, you, you're getting letters out to, to Trump or his people, his campaign. You know, you know the, the, there's been success, success with Watch the Vote getting letters out. I mean, if we can really get, you know, an endorsement from Trump uh, to, you know, the Taylor Estruth uh, campaign, then I, I tell you what, I mean, I really think that, I mean, I think that would bring, bring him over the top. I mean, they do have because they don't have the name recognition. And right now, because a lot of folks who consider themselves conservatives did walk away from Kasich, you know, he's kind of – I wouldn't call him an albatross around her neck, but, I mean, she's really worked hard to, to kind of separate <clears throat> excuse me, herself from uh, Kasich, uh, you know, especially, as I said, as is the, the, wean, the, the waning years of his, uh, you know, of his career. And so let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm alive and kicking. <laughs> um, I didn't know I was going to pop in on Kasich stuff, but uh, how you pronounce his name? But um, he supported Common Core. <laughs> yeah, okay, good for him. I'm being sarcastic. I didn't like him, and um, I've looked at some of his and Rand Paul's disagreements. There were some things they agreed on, I guess. Um, for example, uh, they had a, people on the no-fly list be banned from purchasing guns and ammunition. 
Rand Paul said, no, it's unconstitutional to deny someone's rights without due process. John Kasich, yes, if the government considers you too dangerous to board a plane, you should not be able to buy a gun. So, uh, I mean, these were just little things, and they just uh, they agreed on some things. Um, decriminalizing drug use, Rand Paul, yes. John Kasich, no. Uh, so, anyhow, I don't like the man. <laughs> Although I think he's probably more likable than uh, what's his buckets, the other idiot, the, the for lack of a better way of saying it, the chubby one <laughs> that ran. He's a governor too. Um, had the controversy with the bridge and all that. Um, so uh, all the cases lovers, they can have. My governor, Butch Otter. <laughs> Thank God I won't have him much longer. But I can't. I I missed last week. I apologize. Uh, I I didn't. When you didn't, I couldn't ever find the post. So I don't know what happened. But um, um, I had been on different sites where there was stuff about support Tommy Aqua, support Brad Little. You know they're running for governor. And so is Raul Labrador. Ah, yeah. So every time I got on, I called Brad Little an idiot. <laughs> and I said, I'm voting for Raul Labrador. Sorry, you don't know the meaning of the word conservative. You just lie. And um, that's when he invited me to like his page. Well, about four days later, I had said it again. <laughs> and I was, ba- I was blocked <laughs> from making any comments. Uh, well, that's typical. That's what Butch Otter did. He, he and his wife argued with me. So, um, you know, I've, I've said all the way along that little is Otter Light. And I, I've convinced two people so far to vote for uh, Labrador <laughs> for little. They weren't for Alquist, but they were going to vote for little. And so I managed to say a couple. Piss me off. I'll do that. So, and that's what Otter did, even though he won, but I think he cheated. And I'm I'm not going to go quietly into the night. Uh, I have expected to see a black helicopter or two overhead, but, you know, hey, I'm not only on the federal list, but I'm on the state list, I guess, now. I received a signed letter from three senators in Idaho, you know, your, your state senators and representatives. And they all signed it, and it wasn't a stamped one. It was actually literally signed with an ink pen. <laughs> and, and hearing me that they had done all these things, extolling their virtues, and it was all in the same letter. And I said, boy, am I on a list. Whew. And uh, uh, so I was waiting for it, and I've been getting all kinds of those little pamphlet things, you know, that, well, I'm this and this and this, and I'm just like, just call me and I'll tell you what you are. <laughs> but so far, none of them have done that. So I, I, if Labrador don't take it, I'm going to go for a Democrat governor. The guy's a nice man. And, yes, he has some, um, you know, problems. But he did, is nice. There were quite a few Republicans that voted for him last time. And um, I will vote for anybody that at least, listens to you and is polite and if he's that way and 
we get that little uh, person. Uh, there's no way I'm 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 going with the Democrat. Mm-mm. I don't care. Sorry, that's the way it is. That's so you would vote for me, Susan? <laughs> well, what are you, a libertarian? <laughs> no, nah, I don't. I'm, I'm really not. I'm I'm really no party rule affiliated. I mean, as I said, I'm a registered Green Party. But I, I mean, I I could probably honestly say I don't really belong to any party. Well, um, if you, you move to Idaho, I'll vote for you. <laughs> there you go. Just please move here. <laughs> we need some decent well, people. Well, I mean, I, I, I you know I'm actually uh, you know I've really enjoyed going you know going out west when I went to Nebraska, but I don't think I could get my family to move out there. But uh, but yeah, we're going to get a report uh, from. Uh, from Jim, and, and perhaps he could give us more information uh, if he's able to call back in. Perhaps he got on a call, but we do have, uh, you know, of course, we have our uh, friend Kelly here who works with Watch to Vote USA as well. So you could give us uh, a synopsis on on what's going on there. Uh, so that's one of the things, uh, you know, we want to we wanted to talk about the Watch to Vote USA, and of course, the open letter to Donald Trump. And again, maybe we could get a, you know, a letter to Donald Trump. Uh, for those of you who have those type of connections, I, I, I'm not as uh, connected as I think as some of the people I have here on the show uh, uh, who could get that information and letters out too. But yeah, I mean, it's only six days away, and we really don't need a, a Dewine because I mean, even if Dewine wins, it's, it's really not different than uh, than Kasich. And you know, yeah, it, it may not be your state, uh, but of course, you know, the governors when they all get together and. If you ever want to have other things you know, go along, let's say if you need want some kind of constitutional amendment or something like that nature, uh, you know each state will be pushing them, and they'll be the ones who have the bully pulpit for that. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, swing it back to you, Kelly, and kind uh, of give us an update what's going on uh, there with uh, Watch to Vote USA. Hello, Kelly. Okay, maybe we'll have to uh, do that. But anyway, until Kelly's able to get back, let's go ahead and bring things back, uh, back around. And uh, we're almost at the Sorry, top of the hour Robert. already. Oh, Kelly? Robert? Okay, go ahead, Kelly, and then we'll, we're going to bring in Dr. Tolbert back in. Go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, folks, that I don't have a Ph.D. in uh, computer science to understand how to operate my phone with all those wonderful features <laughs> that I don't need, don't want, don't care about. <laughs> I mean, I'm... You know, it's like hit this button. What? Why did this pitch? I didn't want that. Okay, yeah. Ultimately, it's my fault for pushing the button. But you know, it's just like okay. Anyway, I'm just <clears throat> all right. So, Watch a Vote, of course, is working on a number of things. And John Brakey, um, he's a hero in my eyes. Um, John Brakey is um, well, he ran the recount in the Wisconsin, in Wisconsin. Um, and his text found Wi-Fi units inside these vote machines in the precinct, which also have a backup little uh, thumb drive, you know, a little memory memory card. You take the memory card over into the center tabulator. Oh, wait a minute. Wi-Fi? That means you could program the removable memory card, put a virus on that, which goes to the center tabulator, and change the entire results. Oh, now isn't that interesting? Yeah. Nice way to hack an election. Anyway, um, if you're a computer programmer and you've heard this by now, you're like, oh, my gosh. All right, so there's many things that's going on behind the scenes. 
And so I spoke with John Brakey, and I want him on the show. I want him on the show. Did I mention I want him on the show? This guy, he's amazing. And uh, he's come up with a way. Hey, look, at the ballot images. What are the ballot images? When you scan a paper ballot, it gets turned into a digital image. Okay, digital image. That's kind of nice to know. Yeah, it's an actual digital image. It's public property. Pursuant to federal law, they cannot erase it. They cannot delete it because all records are required. All records relating to an election have to be retained for 22 months. Okay, so you can't delete these digital images. Now, the vote counting machines don't count. They do not count the paper ballots. They count the image of the paper ballot. They count a digital electronic image. How they do that is, well, I don't have time for it. But um, Brakey has sued in Arizona, Alabama. He was trying to help Roy Moore. And um, he's now suing in Ohio, three, three counties in Ohio. What's he suing over? Don't destroy these digital images. Why would you? Why would he want that? Because it's just a Canon scanner. It's an off-the-shelf scanner. A digital image. You get the data. You get all the ballots on digital images. You can do your own recount. What a concept. Oh, my God. What? Yes, you can do a recount. And you can find out what the electronic machines are just kind of switching things. So what, what, watch the vote. This is a more recent thing. Um, while we were having our board meeting on Sunday, I wrote this up. A letter to Donald Trump. What's the Donald Trump letter say? Issue an executive order that no county shall ever delete the digital images. Real simple. Donald Trump issues an executive order. There you go. You want to end the Russian suspicion? Yeah. He issues an executive order that says, do not destroy these digital images. And by the way, it just so happens to be a federal law. And you can be prosecuted for like a misdemeanor, or oh, it's, that's got to be a felony. So a felony for just hitting the delete button of the digital images. So most states have a total records request, California records request, Ohio records request, Colorado records request. And of course there's a FOIA, Federal Freedom of Information Act FOIA request. You get the digital images, you put it in your computer, you start doing a recount. What happens if all of a sudden, oh my gosh, the digital images on my screen are not what the results said. Oh, gee, that's proof of the electronic machines. So if he issues an executive order, which I've never written an executive order because I don't want to tell the president what to do, but if he issues an, an executive order saying do not destroy these ballot images, guess what? John Brakey won't have to sue in Arizona, Alabama, and Ohio. Oh, by the way, he's going after a couple more states after that. Stop deleting the evidence. Yeah. So we got to get John Brakey on the show so you guys understand. I mean, you can literally go to the county and say, Give me information. Give me the digital images. Give me the digital images of all the scanned ballots of the county. There you go. You do your own recount. And the powers that be full with Huber's pride didn't really think about that, did they? Whoops. <laughs> So if, if he does this and people start counting the 16 election, if the records are still there, he starts counting the 16 records, guess what? Yeah, maybe it was Hillary that cheated. 
and not the Russians. Oh, gosh. Imagine the implications here. So anyway, we got to get John Brakey on the – this is called the Brakey method. Get the digital images of the scan paper ballots. And of course people say to me, well, there's no problem with the electronic machines because I voted on paper. I filled out the oval with my pen. Yes, then they scanned the paper ballots. They scanned the paper ballots, and they were turned into electrons. And just remember, um, well, once, once a paper ballot is turned into electrons, it is vulnerable to easy manipulation. And also do remember this. Electronic election systems can be made 100% secure, just as nuclear power plants were pitched as safe. I yield. <laughs> and let's go ahead and bring it uh, back up to Dr. Talbert. Yeah, and Kelly, you are stating this is on a federal level only that that has to, and can be done under executive. The state elections could not be handled under an executive order. Is that it's what, already congressional law that all election records shall be kept for 22 months. Yes, the states run the election in the Constitution, but also Congress does have some regulatory authority upon the states in an election. So it is a valid executive order he could issue. What he, so what, you're saying that is don't, don't, yeah. You're, you're saying that if a governor in a state is running for governor and they're having an election for the governor, the federal government has the right over the state representatives and senate for the state, not the federal. What I'm saying, and okay, the Constitution gives certain authorities of the federal government in federal territories. That's not a question. The states have certain jurisdictional things that they can tell the federal government take a hike. Right. As a union of states interacting with each other, the federal government does have the ability to tell the states what to do. Under the and it happens. Plan. No, there's several instances. Okay, now it, it gets confusing that line between the state and the federal government. But I've looked at the. Yes, the states run the elections, but the federal government in the Constitution has the authority to issue certain regulations about how elections are run. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's encouraging and it's frightening too, but in this situation, a federal law is passed. All states must retain all election records for 22 months. That's within the constitutional boundaries of this federal-state interaction, and yes, the federal government can do it. Congress has already done it. He just needs to issue the executive order. In other words, the Alabama Supreme Court allowing counties to delete digital ballot images broke federal law, at least that's my opinion. Yeah, and I don't know if I have an opinion. I know that the, the Constitution says the state only has a right the time, manner, and places, which is not included in what you're just talking about. I also know from the federal level that a state must follow and keep everything according to the laws. If you're running for the U.S. Senate, if you're running for the president, if you're running for the uh, federal representatives. What I don't know if it falls under the 10th or 9th Amendment, though, 
is if you're running for a local mayor, if you're running for a local thing, how that would fall under that same rule since it's, since it's now under the sovereign state and their rights. So that is kind of a little confusing to me. Well, I think that's a very brilliant, astute question because does the federal government get involved with the records of local elections or state elections that don't affect the union? That is a very tight uh, differentiating observation you had. So um, good question, but then we'll see because then the attorneys fight it out. And by the way, there's all sorts of ambiguity. And by the way, we talked last week or two weeks ago about Sessions versus DeMaya, and I read that court case quite – or at least Gorsuch's opinion. He got it right. Anyway, about ambiguity in the law. <clears throat> anyway, but back to – here's the thing. If the public all over the country goes and gets the digital images, bam. The electronic election fraud is exposed. It's over. We go back to hand-counting paper ballots at the precinct before they leave the precinct, counted in public view with a fresh set of poll workers. There's your answer. I'll say it again. I said that really fast because what we need to do is hand-counted paper ballots at the precincts before the ballots leave the precinct, counted in public view. In other words, don't take the ballots in a back room and count them. Counted in public view by a fresh set of poll workers. Poll counters, really, is what we ought to call them. That's the solution to an honest election. We don't have to worry about Russia because you have the locals counting, counting for you. There you go. And by the way, this Russia thing, I'm just reminded of the Brady Bunch because they're still bringing it up. Russia, 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 Russia. <laughs> well, I'll well, tell you what, uh, instead of Marsha. Well, I, tell you, I got a, uh, an article here that you can find on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website. And speaking of the Bard's Logic Political Talk website, uh, it is May now, if you can believe it. So time to click. And so um, I am still have my uh, campaign of my own of uh, getting my daughter to uh, Italy. And you can find that on the Give page where you can help uh, to donate to that. I think uh, my next. Uh, goal, short-term goal is the middle. I, I, I've got, I'll get a date for you, so stay tuned. Uh, but it's around the middle of June, uh, where uh, the short-term goal is $500, uh, and so that's the middle of June where I believe I, I need to have that in. <laughs> By that, I, I'll get you uh, an exact date, somewhere around the 16th or, or something like that. But that's the short-term goal for anyone out there who would like to. Uh, Assist me with that, as I said, a kind of a campaign contribution of my own um, for that. Uh, but also, uh, what, why I brought the website up, you could get this article here, uh, since you brought up the, the Russia collusion, on the Bard's Logic Political Talks uh, newsroom. And, it's, uh, of course, you probably heard about the hoopla going on about how Mueller, and this has been going on for a bit, how Mueller wants to ask you know, uh, you know, Trump questions. And I think they need to fire this guy before that happens, and I don't think Trump should do it. I think Trump should get him the figurative – well, you know what I mean. And so uh, has anyone here heard about uh, this list of questions uh, that you know, Mueller wants to, be, wants, to ask, uh, wants to ask Trump? I guess he – and I'm presuming at this point he's going to want to get him under oath even though they didn't make Hillary Clinton do that. I mean – 
it's something that's real, been really recent in the news that they're trying to push uh, for Trump to go ahead and, and answer these questions from Mueller. Any on the panel uh, been seeing any reports on that? I, I guess your question is the legality of Mueller having Trump sit down and there's the new attorney now that says Trump is not going to sit down and he's going to represent Trump and that there's no power over this panel to question the president. Is that your question? Well, just if you heard anything about what any of the questions are that, um, that he wants to ask Trump. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to play games and defer to questions as they have done in the past uh, they're going to sit there and try to catch as the new lawyer who represented uh, Clinton is now representing Trump is saying that you don't need to ask my client anything. Uh, if there's anything that needs to be said, I'll say to you. So I don't believe the president should be under the Constitution be forced into sitting in front of a panel. I think it would be first unconstitutional. I don't know how other people and to have your uh, to need a lawyer to go under something they've already proven there's no documents and they're not presenting the Clinton dossier or documents and the multi-million dollars that they took from Haiti the 260 million dollars nobody's pursuing that so I don't even know why we're still on that subject of uh, the Russian thing um, well, and that's a good point. And, and then because I'm, I'm going through some of these questions, um, you know, and there's 48 of them, you know, that, that he wants to um, like. The, and, you know, and I don't normally I don't like to look at anything from The New York Times or say anything from The New York Times. Um, but that's really the only place I could find the full list of questions. Um, and let's see if this list it. Um, okay, well, anyway I had, I had the list and, I mean, and some of those going down the list I mean, I don't even know where it's supposed to tie I mean, you know, tie the mule or that But for folks who don't know um, uh, where, What they are It's like uh, Let's see And probably the further you go down the article The more they're like The more daft they are Um yeah, well, such as this one. It says, uh, what do you know about a Ukrainian peace proposal provided to Mr. Cohen in, two, in 2017? Okay, well, what does that have to do with the uranium – I mean, not uranium. What does that have to do with uh, Russian collusion? And, you know, what do you know about the 2000, 2017 meeting with uh, Seychelles involving Eric Prince? And then – what did, you do, uh, what did you know during the transition about an attempt to establish back-channel communication to Russia and Jared Kushner's efforts? Okay, that's one that has something to do with it. Um, let's see. You know, what involvement did you have concerning platform changes regarding arming Ukraine? You know, it's like – I think, yeah, and then what you said, Dr. Tolbert, I mean, this is the list that supposedly got leaked. Um, leaked on that. And I do have another caller here. I think we have Gene on the line. Uh, let's go ahead and, and we got. And for folks who want more of the questions, uh, see more of the questions. Again, you can access that article by going to the. And I'll read more of them later, uh, if would like. Uh, but I wanted to get Gene in uh, at 
uh, www.bargelogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, go to the uh, the Barge Logic newsroom. Uh, thank you very much, Gene, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm uh, doing pretty good. How about you guys? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah, I've seen some on the Rush Rainbow show. I think he was talking about someone I've seen on ABC News tonight. The, the headline, I didn't actually be able to watch that news yet. Just the headlines, but they're throwing that out on there, and I think they're whether it's sweet or not, I think they were going to cover that on the news a little bit. But I think they're trying to do that for the American people to see whether the president is lying or not. So they're, uh, the prosecutors do those questions. They're kind of open-ended probably. And then they, somebody like Trump, who was on the Rush Rimbaud show, talking about his pride and everything, because well, the president talks a lot to try to get him talking more. And then, of course, if they can trap him into something about some time or whatever, you know, why that that he lied about something. That he, if he said something about 8.30, but the actual time was 8.40, or if he counted it himself, and then he could kind of catch him in a lie. So they they had that on the ABC News, and where they actually, and they talked even about subpoenaing him, but I don't know if it's legal or not, but even if it isn't, they might try to subpoena him or they're, they're trying to get him to trip him up. To get yeah, they're talking about subpoenaing Trump, yeah. 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 So they could come up with all kinds of questions, and uh, I think it's went way beyond the collusion that they can see if uh, those prosecutors that they they trip you up and get you into lie. That would be the whole format that they go on whichever thing that they say he lied under oath or lied in the question. But it's interesting. One of our people that have the show, I kind of remember seven to uh, seven to nine o'clock show or. Whatever one of our people, Kevin, I can't remember his name, but uh, it's interesting. Somewhere they were talking to some people, you know, talking about this impeachment then and then these group of people, four people. It wasn't, I didn't want really to catch it where, where, where I was at. Uh, some of these people seem to think that, that they can impeach Trump, you know, for lying to him, you know, or something like that. You know, of course, politicians don't tell the truth. So all this stuff is going on playing off of this whole thing, especially if the Democrats to get in and take control again, you know, they would start probably impeach, impeachment uh, proceedings at, at a drop of a hat. So that's about Nathan. the main thing I have to say on that. Yeah. Can I answer something on that, um, Robert? Sure, go ahead. And, yeah, it's Congress typically, a committee of one house or the other, can issue a subpoena to whoever the hell it wants. I'm, t- I'm reading this. But compelling the president to appear is another story. As a matter of executive privilege, to the best of the knowledge of the Constitution, no president ever responded to a subpoena from the Capitol Hill. And that is written in about seven different places when you pull that question up. So why would the president even answer the subpoena when as the president of the executive branch to enforce does not have to even do that. It would be foolish on his part because they would be setting him up on issues that are not even relevant, and that would create what they were trying to do, a facade, but yet they won't subpoena the Clintons. So there's a real problem with the entire Congress and why the president needs to run as an independent and not a Republican or a Democrat. 
Yeah, that's one thing that was being taught to one and what's that the legend about the Achilles heel and whatever that back and uh, all those tales and everything. And then they were talking about, you know, Trump his weakness, they better be the price. So if they can entrap him, they get him to go in and talk to more or start to answer the question, then they trip him up. So that's the whole game that they're playing, what they have going on, you know, whether it's leader or not, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it all comes back down to the fact that the Supreme Court in the past has never ruled that the president has to answer. And if they, in fact, subpoenaed him, this would have to go back to the Supreme Court in order Mm -hmm. for that. And if you debate that, then you would force the Supreme Court ruling to go for three, four, five, six, whatever number of years without a proper ruling. So, um, and of course, Mueller is trying to prevail in the battle over a grand jury subpoena, but it has to go through a system, and I can't see how that would go through the system. Well, I think what they're trying to set up again is, you know, with the with the talk of the blue wave, you know, coming with the Democrats taking the House, and if uh, you know folks like uh, yourself, Kelly and Jim, and he's going to be calling in a little bit. He, he just sent me a text. Uh, you know, watch the vote and, you know, open letter Donald Trump and things of that nature. I mean, if we don't get candidates such as, you know, uh, F-Truth and Mary Taylor in and, you know, keep the Democrats and not just the Democrats, but also uh, the establishment Republicans from from getting that. I mean, I could I could see I could see the, the moderate Republicans caving to Democrats if they were to take the House, even if I buy a small margin to get a uh, at least the, the process started for an impeachment. Um and, and that's what they're trying to do. It's, it's, it's again, you know, uh, Trump's poll numbers have been going up, which what I don't see, what, what I don't think they see is the more I think the more they hammer him, the more his popularity is going to go up. But <clears throat> I guess their their mindset is that the more they hammer him, the more they try to at least give the appearance or the illusion, you know, of uh, impropriety, illegalities, uh, that you know he'll lose that popularity that he's got uh, in time for uh, the Republican defeat in 2018. And so then, you know, there wouldn't be like a people's revolt of sorts uh, against the Democrats uh, for trying to impeach somebody that the people, you know, duly elected put it in. Yeah, and and there's there's a couple of links called politicalwire.com that comes up with a lot of your answers, you know, concerning the rights and procedures and how they're going about it. And that's why we're trying – to go in and show why the president needs to rethink and become the second president to become an independent, which would fulfill Jefferson Lincoln's and Washington's viewpoint of the two party system. And I think this is going to be the biggest change. And when we sent him the letter of his rights over the FBI and his rights as the executive branch, he actually quoted ex- the exact paragraph and clause in our letter uh, today on his um, Twitter that uh, he has the authority to do this under Section 2. And so under this authority, there are people saying he should not fire Mueller because of other reasonings, but he could, in fact, just change the whole system 
and Congress is now trying to undermine that by signing a statue taking and giving the power from special committees as being assigned under Mueller to not have power by the president, which, again, would be a violation. So there's a lot of Supreme Court arguments that are undermining America. I think that's really the key that we're being set up by George Sawyers and other individuals and this whole thing under the Clintons and the funding of Sawyers and the different funding from different Islam groups or what's causing the diversion for us to become a nation again under God and being able to control so many people. So, you know, the American people got to come back and stop listening to false news, go back into the fact that the president now understands more about the Constitution. And I'm not going to say I'm solely the one that sends him 100 pages every month about the Constitution, because I'm certain other people do. But we're finding what we do send him is making him tell his lawyers to relook at certain positions and getting new lawyers and reorganizing the White House. I still stand he needs to fire John Kelly. I still believe that Pence should be uh, taken out of any position of authority. Uh, I believe he's being undermined from his staff that are part of the Democrat and Republican collusion uh, that he gets removed and Pence takes office. Uh, I think the president has to take and have somebody stand in front of Congress that understands more than its attorneys are even saying. The problem with an attorney, they're stating statute laws that are not necessarily constitutionally correct. And sometimes the Supreme Court has ruled on things that are not constitutionally correct and should be challenged by the president. And until he gets a person in his staff that can say, under this article or line of laws of the Constitution, these are your authorities. And this is what we did with his authority of the executive branch when we sent him the articles on the FBI, we showed him how this was all formulated and how and what his authority is and what he can do. And I think now his lawyers are going back and looking at it and say, yeah, this is correct. This is why we don't need to do this. So uh, the undermining of America starts at the executive branch when Congress is using their power and the illegality of the Supreme Court to remove the executive branch. That's some heavy stuff there, Dr. Tolbert. (laughs) I want to throw out a comment here about uh, impeachment. Yeah, go ahead, Kelly, uh, and then uh, let's bring uh, Joseph back in and then uh, Susan and Jean, and uh, and then, but when Kelly, I mean, Kelly, you're Kelly. Yeah. Uh, when Jim yeah. com, comes in, there, we'll we'll have to uh, you know cut off so we can we can get him in. But uh, go ahead, and then we'll bring back some Joseph. Go ahead. Okay, Jefferson said about impeachment, scarcely a scarecrow, and he also said impeachment is a farce which will not be tried again. 1807 letter to William B. Giles, and this is um, it's good and bad actually impeachment of the president. If you have a chronic dictator, it's got to get really bad 
to uh, be removed. Now Nixon, he survived. He uh, House Judiciary Committee. He was only impeached by the House Judiciary Commission Committee, by the way. He never, he never went to the floor. But he knew he wouldn't survive the Senate trial. So that was the part of it. And of course, at the time, it was Democrats mostly in the Senate and the House of Representatives. So he would be toast. Um, but when you have such a divided country, you need two thirds to remove a president. Um, majority vote in the House, two thirds in the, the Senate under trial. Um, it, it just with Trump, I'm sorry, they can talk about it all day long and go blah 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 blah, and get all people fired up for something, get them angry, but it ain't gonna happen most likely with Trump. So, you know, Obama, they talked about that too. It didn't really happen. You know, Clinton, he was impeached, but the trial, he survived the trial. Um, Andrew Jackson, he survived impeachment and the trial. It didn't work. Um, so it really is not quite as effective. The only difference that it made with um, Nixon was the grand jury named him a unindicted unindicted conspirator when the famous Watergate 7 indictment came out um, in March 5th, 1974 where Ehrlichman, Holdeman, it was um, former Attorney General John Mitchell and um, Chuck Colson they all got indicted and then they also named Nixon in this but they named him in the indictment grand jury indictment as an unindicted conspirator. So what happened was the public saw that all these men around the president are are bent on corruption, and they're writing their congressmen and calling their congressmen. And so House Judiciary Committee, um, there was a few, I think it was two or three unanimous, even though there's Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee. The several other counts of impeachment, they were passed by majority vote. Nixon resigned because he knew that before it reached the floor, um, he would he would get impeached, um, and then he wouldn't win in the trial. So although Jefferson said a statement, it's scarcely a, scarce, a, scarcely a scarecrow, when the situations are uh, terribly chronically bad and you got the right people in office, yeah, you can actually remove a sitting president. Now, the concern here I have is the limited success of impeachment is very frightening because – that means a president can do almost anything he damn well feels like doing, and he'll still stay in power. So it's very interesting. It ain't going to happen. What I'm saying, what I'm trying to tell you, it ain't going to happen. Um, they've tried it. It just. I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen with Trump, whether I like it or not. It ain't going to happen. And so even uh, Obama's birth certificate and all that, blah, 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 blah. It's just when we elect a president, we have to be extremely careful. When we elect a senator and a congressman, we have to be extremely careful because that would be the necessity to hold the president accountable by who we vote for as our senators and our representatives. And so – um, when they had a – in Nixon's case, by the way, this got real interesting. In Nixon's case, 
um, the House Judicial Committee issued a subpoena, and Nixon said, no, I don't have to answer it, and went to the Supreme Court right away. The Supreme Court says, yes, you do. You need to answer this subpoena. So turn over those Watergate tapes where there was like, I don't know, 10 minutes just having to be deleted. Oh, the, the secretary just hit the wrong button. Oh, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> But anyway, where's the NSA then to, to uh, back up the missing 10 minutes of the Watergate tapes? But anyway, um, so <laughs> presidents, if the Supreme Court gets involved, they do have to ask answer a subpoena. You know, let me explain it this way. You got a grand jury. Okay, they issue a subpoena on their own. Guess what? Fill out the forms. Grab the forms, fill them out, subpoena. It's worthless unless a judge, um, you know, typically you get compliance by the grand jury subpoena. But if it's if they're um, belligerent and they refuse, then you get a judicial order. You get a judicial order. And if they don't, Comply with the subpoena. There's an arrest warrant. That's in street crimes. And by the way, government officials are capable of committing street crimes. So you look at that mechanism: grand jury, judge, order, subpoena, contempt, arrest. You will appear when we arrest you. All right. That's the way it works with a congressional subpoena, because. Congress is actually a grand jury. It is the largest grand jury. They issue their own subpoenas, and then when they need to, as they did in, in the uh, Watergate situation, they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court told Nixon, you will submit these tapes, and he did. So yes, impeachment can work. Yes, there's subpoena power. Yes, but it's not very effective unless – the president has gone – there's two conditions. The president has gone terribly, terribly corrupt and wicked. Number two, the right people are in Congress to make it happen. So I don't think the impeachment will do anything from the Democrats because, again, two elements. you got to do something terribly wrong. Number two, got to have the right people in place. I'm sorry the Democrats are not in charge. It ain't going to happen. Well, you know, what, if, what if they do get in charge? Though? Go ahead, James. Uh, yes, uh, I did never hear it. They had the David Frost interviews, <laughs> and uh, one of the questions was for Nixon, why did they uh, why didn't he destroy the tapes? But I never heard what the answer was for the you know the Frost interviews. I wonder if anybody uh, heard what Nixon's reasons was that he didn't destroy the tape, and I wondered uh, if he destroyed the tape, would they just throwing him out of office, or what would have happened? Now those tapes were used against him. He turned over the tapes and just there was this missing ten minutes that was somehow deleted. Well, I mean, I just wondered if he just totally had destroyed the tapes, you know, right in that Frost interview, and and I don't know what time it was. Maybe if he destroyed them right away, or didn't even get that far into it, or when you realize. You know what was going on. What happens if they had destroyed the tapes and they couldn't stop the tapes? Whether they just impeached them and going out of, throwing them out of office anyway? Or it was the secretary that deleted the tapes. But I mean, how do you think the the um, judicial committee is the House Judicial Committee? What are they going to think about these? This is ten minutes of deleted tape. 
obviously he's hiding something. You know, that's enough right there. Okay, dude, you're not you're not open to the public. We're gonna vote for impeachment and they did. But it never made it to he, he resigned before it went on the floor. So yeah. you know, I mean a nice little she said, Oh, the secretary just happened to hit the wrong button. Oh, just sorry that I hit you know, I'm I'm Hillary Clinton and my computer server uh programmer, he just kinda happened to delete ten thousand emails that you know, proved that I was a criminal. Um, oh, I'm just sorry. My my computer programmer did it. He just hit the wrong button. He was having a bad day. I had a fight with his girlfriend the last the night before. And, and whoops, sorry. You know. <laughs> so, so what happened if the tape got chewed up? Have you ever had one of those cassette tapes and that kind of broke or got chewed up? Would that have been a good story? Almost like the dot dot the tape that the tape got chewed up and got caught in the machine. Whatever you know, programmer. You know, one of the engineers that messed up and it chewed up the tape and. It's a mess, you know, or something. Yeah, it just isn't that all interesting, you know. It could have happened, but it didn't. It was just just the secretary. I just, you know, she had a fight with her boyfriend, her husband, the night before. You know, I'm just sorry she deleted it wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, so getting to the truth is always a challenge, and uh, you know. And then you pay off the secretary. Yes, I just, you know, I spilled some coffee on my lap, and it was, I just, I, I, I thought I had to stop, and I, I, I guess I hit delete at the precise moment of him incriminating himself in front of the nation. Oh, well, sorry about that. Yeah, let's go ahead, and at this time, let's go ahead and bring it back to uh, yourself, Joseph, and then Dr. Tolbert, and then uh, then we'll move from there. And then again, uh, if Jim calls in, uh, we'll cut uh, cut through so we can get him in and, and get him on the program. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to give us a call within the next 20 minutes. Uh, do you see some other folks on the line? Uh, if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on the number dial, and I'll get you into the show. Uh, go ahead, uh, Joseph. Yeah, great to be back on. So I'm really focused on uh, this year's uh, midterm elections. And, um, you know, every state is, uh, we all have, I think, uh, differing problems state by state. And, uh, but I'm, I'm very leery because I, I don't, I don't know if the uh, Republicans can hold the house or I don't know if the Republicans are going to be holding, be able to hold up the Senate. Um, and my fear oh, that'd is be if, awful. They both, if they do, yes, then uh, their goal of impeaching Trump will be um, feasible, or at least attempting to try to do so if they control both chambers. So um, they're running the, – the Democrats, all they can do is run on a referendum on Trump. They they still lack a, a, an economic platform, an economic message. Uh, they lack a, a, a they don't have a, a party, a, a leader of the party. Um, and the, as I told many of my colleagues, the referendum on Trump may win him back the House and the Senate, but it won't be enough to win the presidency in 2020. They're going to have to do a lot better than that. And, well, the, and that um, well. They can. They can't get somebody to beat Trump, but they can get somebody to get Pence. Go ahead. Correct. Correct. 
but um, even if hypothetically, let's say Pence uh, was elected president and it w- would wasn't Trump, uh, regardless of that, um, I, I think that we the conservatives would need a, a much stronger candidate than than Pence to take on what the liberals are gonna are gonna try to bring. Uh, but with that in mind, no, I agree. Um, yeah, um, sadly. But with that in mind, uh, historically, you know, the trend was eight years of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the American people or the electorate not, not happy with George W. Bush. And, of course, they always take it out on, on the party itself. So, you know, they viewed George W. Bush as the face of the Republican Party and, therefore, it didn't matter who who ran on the ballot in a way against Obama. It was after eight years of of Republican uh, leading, uh, it was going to go to the Dems. And then after eight years of failure, Barack Obama, I went back to the Republicans. Um, but I just don't see um, I don't see how Trump can get past 2020 uh, unless the Republicans primary him. I I just think that. Um, he has too much opposition against him, and he doesn't have enough allies around him. And the electorate is is not that smart. And I don't mean to demean anyone listening, but the majority of the electorate are not that knowledgeable, um, and uh, they continue to vote for the same status quo. So I don't know what to make of 2020 yet. It's a little bit too early. I'm, I'm just focused on 2018, just praying to God that if we lose, um, at least we could retain the House or the Senate. Just to lose both would be really devastating, especially to the Trump presidency. Oh yeah, it certainly it certainly would be. Um, it not just the the presidency; it'd be a disaster for the country. Um, yeah, and and and, what's the, and that's what I'm saying is even if, I mean what I don't get, and this is where you know I, I really think this electronic voter fraud stuff you know could be coming in. Is I think you know. There's the narrative of two things. One, uh, the narrative of, okay, the blue wave, the narrative that, well, the pendulum swings, and, you know, all the people want, uh, and this is something I don't believe in, uh, all of the people, you know, want to have, you know, a, a balance of power where, you know, one branch is, you know, is one, like the legislative is, you know, one party and the executive is the other, and, and the American people like it that way. I don't think so. I mean, I think of the same people who went out and voted for Trump. Uh, you know, 2016. If all those people would come out and vote for the, you know, you know, I hate to say Republican, but yes, the Republican candidate uh, in 2018, then the, the, then I think that the, uh, the the Republicans have a good chance of maintaining the House and the Senate if you get the same uh, kind of energy that was in 2016, and that and that goes same for 2020. The Democrats have no one I could think of uh, that could go up against Trump in 2020, and I think they know that. And that's why I think that they're so desperate to get rid of Trump, get Pence in there, because I think they could find someone to beat Pence, but they can't find anyone to beat Trump. Um, and so, you know, that's what they're, they're, they're trying here. And with setting the narrative, all these narratives up, you know, if the Democrats do take the House and maybe even the House and the Senate. They're going to have, and, and, and again, I'm not putting down the American people, but we want to make sure this don't happen, is that you know we get duped by them saying, oh, yeah, well, it's inevitable that the Democrats are going to win, so 
you know, when it comes out that way, there's no reason for you to question it or, 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 or investigate how that happened. Uh, no, I, I think too. I, I think if you're, if I may say something, I think if you're a Democrat, you will think enough people will get disillusioned on the Cherryville swing state, so the narrow state. But we had one that <coughs> called into a radio show today, and and he thinks that uh, the tax cut is bad, and other things that they're spending more money. The deficit is getting worse, and and he's supposed to be a fiscal conservative, of course, he may still vote for the Republicans, you know, and everything, but he's he's unhappy. He's not understanding what's going on as well, and, and I think that's what they're hoping for. There'll be enough people that they voted for Trump, but they're not happy with what happened, that they can somehow, well, if they stay home or they just won't get the, you know, they convince some of these, like Mission and some of these other states to swing that away where they can get their candidates in there, you know, maybe get some people in in the meantime, you know, to narrow down the margin in the House and Senate or even switch to Senate or something. You know, um, adding to that, Robert, you know, the president is now pushing toward the popular vote because he knows that he can carry the popular vote now today if there was an election versus the Electoral College, which nobody is actually voting or like in Florida, the 29 electors needed to get a candidate on the ballot. So the controversy is going to get back into the fact that the undermining and the president becoming aware of the fact that his staff is part of the Democratic Party right now and that there is no sound Republican Party. There's a division, as your guest speaker tonight even mentioned, that the two levels of the Republican Party is so divided, it could cause the collapse of the Republican Party, then giving the power to the Democrats in the 2020 election. One of the comments uh, made uh, by the president was the fact that we are not uh, supporting as independents and other people. And the fact that we have the closed primaries, not letting the independents make a choice. And even though there's kind of a confusion on how anybody can walk in the same day in Ohio and switch to what they want to do, where in Florida, you can't do nothing about it. The president really has to retake his position and do a thorough background who is on his staff and not let the people on his staff do the background of what's going on around him because he's being undermined from within. Um, We're seeing information passed to the public that only two or three people have knowledge, and Pence and Kelly are the two of those three people that are giving out information, although they have yet been voiced by the press uh, who is providing all the secret documentation uh the radio show you're doing tonight definitely needs to be on the president's desk because he is seeing how him running as a republic a republican is going to be undermined and how the united states will be taken into the socialist government realm as what George Sawyer's and the Democratic Party's trying to do. 
And let's go ahead and uh, let's uh, bring John in. Uh, thank you very much, uh, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to share with you all on C-SPAN today. They have their Washington Journal show, and Cheryl Atkinson came on, the lady from Full Measure. She's uh, broadcast on Sinclair. Uh, anyway, Full Measure News is her website, Full Measure News. But cspan.org, you can check out Washington Journal and look up for today's show, Wednesday, you know, May the second, two thousand eighteen, for Cheryl Atkinson, and she hits on a lot of these things and how the media ties into their working with the Congress and the corporations, you know, or making sure that we, the people, only get to see certain things in certain ways in order to create a certain narrative, but the reality is somewhat different at times, and that's why she left her job with CBS, but it was a very interesting um, interview today with her, and it covers a lot of these things that you guys were talking about, even about Mueller and Rod Rosenstein and Comey and how they had relationships in past situations and she thought it was kind of weird that he would be able to authorize and you know sign for the wiretaps on Carter Page whenever he was so close to Comey and Mueller and them it, it brought forth a conflict of interest perspective on things and that she thought he ought to recuse himself but it, it's just pretty trippy to me that for the get-go, the, the point that really sticks out to me, and you've heard me say this on previous shows, is from the get-go, and she even touched on this in her, from the get-go, whenever the affidavit was provided to the FISA court with the dossier, nobody in the FISA court verified any of the evidence in the dossier to validate whether it was material, relevant, or even admissible. So, therefore, from the get-go, it was fraud, and therefore they should have never ever been able to start the investigation. And now we, the people, psychologically, are being sucked into this concept that it's okay for people to just start investigations just because they're in positions of authority. They don't have to abide by any of these um, rules that supposedly been there, even though we know for, you know, several decades a lot of that gets neglected and kicked under the rug anyway and they run roughshod over it but it seems today it's even getting worse and nobody seems to be standing up against that very much they're standing up about a whole lot of other things as well and that's very merited but we got to go back to nipping it in the bud from the get-go, too. Otherwise, they're going to continue to just do investigations on all kinds of people on hearsay and breaking that hearsay rule and breaking the, you know, fruit of the poison tree rule and fraud on the inducement. I mean, all that stuff, they just skipped right over. And that's why I was saying before with um, Jeff Sessions and Rose and Stein and them, Jeff Sessions may have recused himself, and that's good just to because he was on Trump's campaign, he don't want it to look like it's a conflict of interest that he had some kind of, you know, miscarriage of justice in being a part of that. So he recused himself from the case on this uh, Russia deal. But he should never recused himself from making sure that constitutional procedures and civil procedures are being followed. 
you know. And then now with Pompeo coming on board as the, you know, Secretary of State, and my concerns with Jeff Sessions in the past and even Pompeo is they're real big on this authoritarian mentality, and they like to run roughshod, in my opinion, from a surveillance standpoint. Now we're going to have more heavier surveillance, and Miss uh, Cheryl Atkins mentioned in her speech today on C-SPAN Washington Journal that um, Trump's administration is even fighting some of her um, freedom of information requests on certain things. And I'm like going, Jamie, Christmas, you know. Trump, I hope, and I'm fighting for Trump now, but that doesn't mean everything he does is, is golden and I'm going to give him a pass. I'm going to still try to hold him accountable, even though he's the best horse in the race. And being the fact that most of the evangelicals and Christians or, you know, church going folk across America supposedly represent 70, 80%, and they get involved and realize that, hey, this thing ain't over just because we won or, you know, got Donald Trump elected in 2016 doesn't mean you rest on your laurels. We need to help spread the word like you guys were saying earlier, even the um, guest you had on the show, Robert, was saying, hey, share the information, get it out to everybody you can and make sure that we're all binding together to at least go uh, maintain the House and Senate and hopefully pick up a few more seats if at all possible. So hopefully this blue wave and all these other things are motivating us to say, hey, you were saying Hillary Clinton was going to be a clinch and she was going to, you know, get it, and she didn't. Well, hopefully this, everybody hollering about the blue wave and Trump doesn't have a prayer in 2020 will motivate everybody to get back out on your horse and, and keep up the fight and, and make sure that we do at least make it through 2020 again till we find a better way of moving forward because this is the best we got so far. Back to you. I wanted to – I'm not sure if Robert, like – well, anyway, I wanted to mention that there are two uh, – NSA agents that have been listening to us for a long real, time. Real quick, real, real quick, Kelly. Real quick, Kelly. Programming note: uh, We are about five minutes to the top of the hour, uh, so uh, if uh, don't let your mics uh, drop, or uh, you unfortunately won't be able to call into the show. Uh, so uh, make sure that. Oh, we just got Jim in too, so that's good. Uh, so go ahead and finish your thoughts there, Kelly. Uh, but, yeah, don't let your, your calls drop because, unfortunately, if that happens, you will not be able to call back into the show. Um, so charge them up uh, and things of that nature. So go ahead, Kelly, and then we're going to bring Jim in. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just trying to fill in a little dead space when uh, I don't know what happened. Okay, so we have two NSA agents that have been listening to us for quite some time. Of course, there's the standard NSA Bob, which hi NSA Bob. And then, of course, there's NSA Susan. Well, it's just a name I'll give to somebody. Just, just a random person. We don't know who they oh, – wait a minute. Is NSA Susan just listened to the show for months? And then she hit one on the number dial, and she just happened to make some comments. So I guess we – considering how long she listened to us before she hit the one number and gave a comment, I'm going to name her NSA Susan. And, of course, I totally welcome her opinion. Is she there tonight? Oh no, NSA Susan. Uh, <laughs> uh, is your name Susan? 
Yes. You know this. Wait, <laughs> someone's in trouble. And just oh, for I'm, that, I've got some. Just for that, I've got some news for you, buddy. Uh oh. Well, Breaking well, news. Well, well, we've got Putin. we've got about an hour. We got a little bit over an hour, but you know, not including closing stuff. But uh, let's go ahead and bring in Jim, and then let's hear that news. Uh, so let's welcome Jim. Thank you very much, Jim, uh, for coming to the show. Hey, How are you tonight? Robert, I'll be very brief. I'm sorry. We had a dying person, and I had to accompany a priest to give them last rites. They may be within hours of death. And that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Night. Oh, thank you. This is the guy that, uh, his name's Bob Rainier. He made it possible in 1990-91 for me to publish my first political magazine. He charged me one-fifth of what he should have. He worked with me several nights, almost all night, to proofread. And anyway, so he unfortunately is at the uh, has a lung problem that probably will not. He won't last too much longer. But I just wanted to say I'll come back next week if it's okay, Robert, and let uh, I, I let everyone hear what the NSA Susie wants to say. I am on. I'm working to get on the ballot. We, we and I'll explain that more. But it looks like I'm going to be on the ballot for November. We ran commercials last week. We're running some <coughs> all day tomorrow on WLWKRC. Yeah, oh, awesome! Me. And uh, excuse me. And we uh, the call the commercial will be. Uh, you can go to openletter2donaldtrump.com, and there's an article there called "Trump Must Bring Up Computer Fraud to Avoid Dem uh, Deep State uh, Giving Congress to Dems by Computer Fraud" or something like that. And we'll have the radio ad, the 60-second radio ad, which is asking people who might know the Trump family to have them ask Donald Trump to come and read this article, listen to the audio. We'll also have last week's radio show up from 10 to 11, which was all devoted to the computer vote fraud problem and the watch the vote report to the president's commission and all that. And that's what I'm going to be pretty much devoting my campaign to throughout this year, uh, May 8th, primary, and then all the way to November. But I'll come back next week and give a little more in-depth because it might be funny for people to hear the new hoops they've they've uh, they've made to, for the libertarians, the Green Party, the Constitution Party, the third parties. They have to jump through to get on the ballot in November if they start out as a write-in. Hey, real, real quick, uh, real, real quick, we got uh, uh, Dr. Holbert's. Uh, Dr. Holbert, I do like to give folks the opportunity to do their closing comments. So if you have a a minute to do that. Uh, it's yours. Yeah, and and my closing comments are going to be just very quickly. You know, everything on this talk show will be in front of the president within the next uh, 20 days, along with the articles on the VA. I am running as a write-in for the U.S. Senate of Florida. Uh, I am also submitted my application for the secretary of the VA, and you can go to call to. Uh, duty.org and read the articles that the president has on his desk. Thank you, Robert, for the opportunity to speak. Oh, you're welcome. We look forward to, uh, to seeing you again next week. God bless. You, you, you too, Doug Stolbert. Have a good night. We'll, we'll talk soon. I'll get you that link. And uh, we, you know we've got plenty of folks on. We got uh, we got about an hour, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, you know bring it back uh, to Jim to finish these thoughts, and then Kelly, and then we'll bring things uh, back around. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, fine, Robert. I, I'm I'm pretty much concluded. I'll come back next week and explain in depth. 
I'm glad to hear Dr. Tolbert's running. We should get as many candidates as possible to run and put radio ads on the major stations to break through the censorship. And I'm going to probably have to run here due to the set of circumstances, but I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, well, I'll hand it back over to Kelly and NSA uh, Nancy. So thank you, Robert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, certainly. Thank you very much, Jim. It's good to uh, hear from you. Uh, have a good week. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back to uh, to you, and then we'll bring things down the line, and then we'll bring it back to um, – oh, there's a, there goes a call. Uh, and then we'll be, bring it back to you, Joseph. So uh, Kelly and then NSA Susan and then uh, Joseph, and then we'll bring things uh, back down the, the line uh, on the, you know this last hour of the show. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, okay, okay. I have to clarify right away because <clears> – <throat> It wasn't NSA Susan. It was NSA <clears throat> NSA Suzette. I'm trying to tease NSA Suzette, who listened to Blog Talk uh, Bars Logic for months, and then finally hit the one. On the, it was Suzette. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the name. Oh, gotcha. Suzette. Suzette. Suzanne. I'm confused already. Suzanne has been very upfront and really wonderful, and I love her input. And it just, I just happened to talk to Suzette. Suzette. All right, off air, <laughs> and she said, yeah, I listened to Bard Logic for months, and then I finally chimed in. But although I really appreciate her input, I'm like, wait a minute, she's acting like NSA, but the problem is she's not getting paid for her NSA. Is, is, is Suzette – sorry, Suzette, is Suzette there tonight? No, unfortunately, uh, I, I, I believe I texted her the, uh, the link, uh, but we were un, unable to uh, – I guess she, she had something to come up, so I she's okay. And I think it's a little, a uh, little late. Well, actually, she I think she might be in your time zone. So, uh, but of course, unfortunately, at this point, she couldn't call in. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's past right. the well, top of the hour, unfortunately. All right. Well, all right. I'm just gonna shut up for my little blunder between the name Suzette and Susan Suzanne. You know. Anyway. Okay, Monty Python skit on Bruce. Hello, this is Bruce. Bruce. Hey, hello, Bruce. Hello, uh, John. No, 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 no. We got to eliminate confusion here. Let's call you uh, John. We're going to call you Bruce. Okay, so and this is Bruce and this is Bruce. <laughs> anyway, if you're a Monty Python fan, you'll get it. All right, all right. Back to you. Okay, and then uh, well, uh, uh, Suzette, Suzanne, or Susan, uh, would you like to retort to Kelly uh, before we bring Joseph back on? Okay, perhaps not. Let's go ahead and bring it back to you, uh, Joseph. Uh, as I said, er, you know, earlier we have uh, some more of those questions. If anyone wants to hear more of those, or have got, you know, uh, other topics, of course, we can uh, discuss this evening. But let's go ahead uh, and what what, what well, you got I'm, there for us, uh, Joseph? Oh, I'm here. No, oh, okay. Well, we we tried. We opened it up, but we didn't hear anything. So, okay, we'll backtrack just a, a little bit and get your retorts to Kelly. Then we'll bring Joseph. So. Okay, I just want to see how smart Kelly is if he's heard the breaking news. That yeah, Putin that's what they may have, We're going to bring that in. What's the breaking news? Putin may have ties to Russia. Mueller, <laughs> undeniable evidence of Putin's ties to the Kremlin, and Trump is aware of that. Ha! Huh. I'll bet Kelly didn't know that. That Clinton has ties to Russia? No. Putin has ties to Russia. There's undeniable evidence of that. 
Even Trump's aware of it. So Putin has ties to Russia? Yes. Well, I would hope Putin has ties to Russia because, like, he's the prime minister of Russia. So, um, wait. (laughs) Are we confused on names tonight? No, you just didn't get it. <laughs> it was oh, put in my group. Oh, and my gosh. Oh, that's hilarious. Putin has ties to Russia. That's hilarious. Okay, I'm sorry. A little slow sometimes. Uh, so, they put a rat- joke. Sure. You got, so, should you got they me put a rat warrant? So, should they put a rat warrant out for him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know one of the guys in my group responded and said, I knew it. I always had my suspicions. <laughs> Is it so, that Russian there you layoff? Go. What? <laughs> no, I thought I just said, Is that your Russian layoff out there? I just wanted you to get a laugh. And if Kelly ruined it. Just like he called me NSA something. You know, I, I'm lucky that I do not have black helicopters from the state of Idaho and from the federal government after me. So I'm not an S- NSA anything. <laughs> Let's bring it to our friend uh, NSA Joseph then. <laughs> Go ahead, Joseph. <laughs> uh, you know, actually... Uh, she hit the nail on the on the uh, on the coffin. Suzette, right? That's her name. Huh? It's Su- Susan. No, I'm Susan. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just destroying her name tonight. Oh, that's all right. Um, that's exactly what I was uh, referring to earlier uh, with Robert. Is that the Democrats don't have a message? Everything is Russia, Trump, Russia, Trump. That's all they can go on. And as I said, you know, many of my colleagues have agreed that may suffice for the midterms, as the midterms do tend to fluctuate during presidencies, but that won't get you across the bridge of 2020. And, you know, the Democrats say we're the party of the people, we're the party of the middle class, we're the party of the, of the, of the, of the people who don't have any means to survive. We're the party of the voiceless. And all they can talk about is Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. You turn on MSNBC, you turn on CNN, it says that they're obsessed, they're fixated. And with all due respect, when I was a Democrat back in the good old days of the 90s, when we actually, you know, we we got the economy going, we actually had uh, a great record uh, fiscally, uh, you know, uh, it was a different mentality. We were a very successful party, and oh, our messaging was right, point on. We knew how to decimate, we knew how to win elections, and we were the party of prosperity. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, if the liberals really, really want to win in 2020, they need to get off the bandwagon and they need to start focusing on reality. And I don't mean this to any disrespect whatsoever, but I'm just being really honest here. It's like, really? That's all you have to go on is Trump, what he said on Twitter, and Russia. Wow, congratulations, liberals. You guys really know how to report on journalism. Thank you for enlightening us. That's great. But what are you guys going to do for the economy? What's the plan? 
What's your economic platform? I don't hear anyone saying. Well, they're bringing a bunch of illegal immigrants and have them suck off of the proverbial teeth. <laughs> Sorry, I just well, said that. But, so, no. that. When they do talk about the economy, they're still stuck in 2016. They're just given the same bullet points that Hillary Clinton gave. It's nothing different. It's nothing new. And a member of Congress Pennsylvania. What is that? What is that noise? Turn that off. NSA Bob, you're at Area 51. NSA Bob, you're at Area 51. Mute your phone. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Remember how you were joking? So sorry. No, go ahead. No, you remember how you were joking before you brought me on about the NSA? I was about to say maybe the DNC didn't like what I said. But anyway, uh, you know, in in all perspective, you see, the thing about what people don't understand about liberalism is if you were not uh, uh, an adult in the 90s, then you have no clue what what the Democratic Party once was, once stood for, and, and how the Democratic Party actually worked on, on fiscal issues, worked very well in producing results for the economy. Uh, you ask today millennials who grew up in a different era, I mean, they have no clue. Truth be told, I went to a fundraiser yesterday. I sat next to a liberal, and I said, well, what's your take on the... Uh, uh, primary for the uh, governor's election in um, Hawaii, and she said, oh, I'm a communist. And I just looked at her, and I'm thinking in my head, Lord Almighty, you haven't even lived in a communist country. If you ever did, you would regret those words. I mean, how ignorant can a person be to state that they are for something that they know nothing of? People have died being smuggled in boats or uh, the Cubans in, in, uh, in little boats uh, 90 miles from Havana just to escape communism. And then you have someone just flat out say like nothing, oh, I'm a communist. But they know nothing of what communism is. That's the irony. <laughs> right. The liberals they do a great job of knowing how to do the spin because back in the 90s we didn't have to do the spin because back in the 90s the economy was at its all-time high, and we actually could tout our record. We actually had something called a record to run on. Now, because the liberals don't have a record to run on, except for eight years of failure of Barack Obama, which basically paved the way for Donald Trump, all they can run on is, well, pretty much, we love communism, which they know nothing of what it is to live in a communist nation, or we love socialism, and uh, Russia, Trump, and Twitter. So, Suzette, my question to you is, and I'm not judging you because it wouldn't be fair for me to to label you and say that you're either for that or, 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 or not for that, but as a staunch liberal and Democrat, Suzette, would you agree with me at least on the fundamentals that the Democratic Party today has no messaging platform, has no economic platform, has no social platform. If you put on all the liberal outlets 
all they can do is talk about their fixation and their obsession about Trump, what he said in Twitter last night, and Russia. What do you say? Uh, I, I don't think I say something here. Uh, I used to be a Democrat, you know, the JFK kind of Democrat, and then they had Jackson from Washington, and, and they were kind of looked out for the working man. Now the Republicans, I guess, have to look out for the working man because the Democrats don't seem to be. Robert, I think he still thinks I'm that. <laughs> I'm not yeah, a communist yeah, liberal. So that's not yes. Yeah, so that's not actually on the line. Uh, but she'll, she'll be happy that you know we uh, invoked her name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did uh, chat with her earlier, but we couldn't uh, uh, couldn't reach her. Um, now let me ask you this. Uh, you know, my, well, I, I say Bob is good to good to go because he's freezing up my computer now. Is what he's doing here. Um, so thank you, NSA Bob. All right, so we got about 45 minutes left uh, for the show, and actually about 40 before I have to uh, shut things down. And <clears throat> excuse me. And so, you know, oh, but gosh, I can't even get to this if I can't get my this, my computer to stop freezing up. Oh, it's awful. Robert, I do have a question. I'm kind of curious why that you your program is where people can't call in on the last hour or something. How they drop the call? But I can't you know, get you know that's that's a very that's a very good question. That's something um that's something they ask Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> that's the platform okay. that we use uh, for the show. Um oh no wonder I got the stupid pop ups that uh, and it's fixed the station, something about would you vote for Michelle Obama for president? Uh no. <laughs> and why that's even <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why did even pop it up on my screen? I guess, you know, I was looking at some di- different articles or something, and now I can't get the damn thing off my freaking screen. Excuse my phone. Okay. But I don't want to be saying anything too bad. You face, uh, our guest tonight does use this link uh, for some promotional things. I don't unless we could, like, yeah, we're not going to be able to use that, but I guess they can do their own edits. Um, but, yeah, so now I'm exiting Alice and stuff, and come on. Oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I am utterly uh This is frozen. I can hear you. Oh my gosh. Just 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 so your guest knows that I'm not a hoax or anything like that. I am a member of the John Bush Society. <laughs> if he knows no. who they are. I, the first I boy. you know, I feel I, it's my mistake for some reason. I thought Suzette was still on the line, but nonetheless, I'm sure hopefully she heard me anyway. So I am so sorry. What can I tell you? I thought I thought Suzette was still there. I apologize. It's, but, it's not uh, your fault. It's Kelly and Robert's fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Kelly's well, fault because he about, made it sound like was Suzette about, was even on the show, and Suzette hasn't even called in tonight. <laughs> well, I see. I see. Every, everyone was talking about Suzette, so I mean, you know, I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, 
symbolically, I guess maybe since that was on the show. I don't know. <laughs> Both of them would make oh. good politicians. Play the blame game. I <laughs> see how it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is ridiculous. I can't get any of these things going. This is terrible. It's the NSA, Robert. They just don't like what we're doing. It must be. I tell you what, we're not even talking. They're like, oh, you guys are talking too much about about Bob here. Um, Yeah, now my screen's frozen. This is unbelievable. Now you guys are getting all paranoid. No. They already know who I am, so. Yeah, I can't even get my mouse. I literally can't even get my mouse to move on this. I'm on the computer. The mouse isn't moving. I'm triggered. No, oh, that's what okay. but, but you know what? Um, I do have to say, I, I do have to familiarize myself more with the panel because I was on the show a few years ago and it was a different panel. And um, some of the members of the panel are not, I know who used to be on the show when I first came on. I think it was, what, after 2012 I came on, um, Robert, on the scene? I think. Oh, yeah, right around yeah there. 2012 and then... And I believe 2014 too for a little bit, and then yeah, we, right. that's when we had um, yeah, that's when we had uh, Cindy Todd, where she don't come in as much as she used to. I haven't heard from uh, Cindy on here for a while, and then man, I'm gonna have to shut my. Uh, yeah, if we get cut off, I apologize, but it's I might have to shut down this computer because it's not letting me do anything. There's and who else do we have on the panel that's no longer there, Robert? Because I I, I noticed that there's a few voices missing. Yeah, we've uh, and then Dan Gray. He's uh, yeah, we haven't had Dan Gray on for the show for a while, and then I guess he was doing his own thing in Pennsylvania. And then you know we we've we've had a different number of panelists. We also had uh, James Neighbors. Uh, he was heading up the, um, the overpasses for America. I don't even know. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't even know if he's doing that any longer. Um, so forgive me. I do so yeah, there's definitely that. a number of, uh, of folks that uh, we don't, you know, we don't even talk, you know, we don't hear from. So that's why I have to get, I have to familiarize myself better with the panel before I start looking more like a fool. Because uh, throughout this conversation, I spoke to someone who hasn't been on the show. So oh you no, go. you're fine. I think the the one who's been here since the beginning. I think the one person's been here literally since the beginning of 2012. I know uh, uh, Susan's been here for a long time. But I know from the very beginning, uh, back in 2012, uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly was um, actually one of the first, uh, one of the first folks, uh, you know, from back in, in 2012, and first interviewed him about his book, The Hidden First Branch, uh, and that's, that's what we used to be on uh, a couple other uh, shows. You know, I'm just going to have to exit out on this and go back. It's just gonna be right. ridiculous. Well, and then you know, there's some, there's some other people we haven't heard of from. Another person we haven't heard from would be my ex-wife. Um, <laughs> well, has she ever called into the show, Kelly? Or <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. Um, Kelly's the one who so, starts trouble. <laughs> she's done yeah, it just to hear your start. voice. Yeah, well. You know, actually, I forgave her so much. She left. I forgave her in, like... We did an exchange, and she's walking across the parking lot. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's pretty. And then I realized, gosh, I've forgiven her that I can say she's pretty. Wow. That I could actually objectively view someone who, like, really put a few daggers in my heart. Um, But, 
we just haven't heard from her. <laughs> anyway, okay, Suzanne, Suzette, we've got a whole bunch of multi-faceted panel here that's quite enjoyable, and obviously since 2012, obviously I kind of like coming back every Wednesday, and I just, I'm not sure why sometimes, but maybe it's because Robert doesn't hog the microphone. So okay. I think that's pretty cool. And then, that, and then I can accuse people I'm progressive, progressive conservative or progressive moderate. Progressive? Does that mean you buy the car insurance? <laughs> I, I actually, I actually, no, I actually had progressive until I found out they what. No, I, I actually had progressive uh, until I found they they really were progressive. <laughs> then I uh, then I dumped them. You know, Flo, since you're so into communism, socialism, and progressivism, you know, since I don't, I don't have car insurance. Why don't you share yours with me? Well, no, you have to pay. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you were progressive. You know, I mean, okay. So communism killed a whole bunch of, you know, millions and millions of people. Bad name. Let's call them socialists, like the National Socialist Party of Nazi Germany. Oh, that didn't work either. Let's call them progressive. I mean, you know, what are we going to call them now? Soup? Like progressive soup? I don't know what to call them. Soup? Yes, everybody shares with everybody. Soup? Yeah, the soup party. Okay, just keep changing the name. It's the same idea. Okay, what's that tell you? They keep changing their name. Okay. And I have to say, I was shocked because she said it so nonchalantly, like it was nothing. Like she was, as if she were to say, I'm from Florida. So I'm, I'm just a communist. Oh, by the way, how's how's your meal? And I'm like, oh, I think it's my mind. I didn't even know how to react because I'm thinking in my mind, does she realize that in Cuba they actually ration food? You wouldn't be eating that nice juicy steak at that fundraiser. So I just was left speechless. I'm like, you're eating a steak and you're saying you're a communist. Okay, that makes sense. Well, Correct. Well, here, here's, here's the mind-blowing thing about um, progressive insurance. Yes. Actually, the Hells Angels and all sorts of motorcycle groups said, we're done because we found out you're progressive. And by the way, it's a strange thing with these rough, you know, rough-looking leather jacket tattoo guys. They're they're totally conservative and constitutional-minded. But anyway, so, uh, you know, they're trying to appeal to the constitutional people. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So progressives decided to start a company in the free enterprise system, but how is it that there's forced sale of their product? Oh, that's right. A whole bunch of states said, thou shalt have car insurance. Oh, so the progressives are utilizing the thing they hate, which is lobbyist capitalists. (laughs) It just kills me. It's like, wait a minute, Flo. You wouldn't have any sales unless the state forced people to buy Insurance, how do you reconcile this? Because you're agreeing with those you hate. Oh, that's right, because you want billions and billions and billions of dollars. Yes, because you're rich, greedy capitalists. No, I'm sorry, you're rich, greedy socialists. Oh, wait, what are you? I mean, it's just, it's just, the hypocrisy is killing me. It's just mind-blowing. <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing. <laughs> well, we, 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 have to, we have to make a lot of money through insurance. We have to make a lot of money through insurance to to progress our progressive causes of socialism. Wait, you use the 
lobbyist capitalist system to to to, to, to bring about. It's like what? <laughs> I'm, just, it's just, I'm just laughing. Well, maybe we're it's just listening. We're just listening to you laugh, Kelly. No, go, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I just I can't help myself laughing at this joke. I mean, it's like progressive. Yes, let's make the world socialist by using the capitalist system, the lobbyist capitalist system, the forced sale of insurance through the state legislature. <laughs> Do you guys get this? I mean, this is so freaking funny. Oh, anyway. All right, I got I got to shut up, or I'm I'm gonna hit me so people don't hear. Well, me wait a minute. Anymore. We still have the Republican version of insurance. We have all state, you know, all for the state, right? No, no, just that was bad. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's not good because I think that's my car insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> oh, by the way, it just so happens. That if you love the environment, you file a patent, like in California. Oh, I'm sorry, the federal patent, but you pass a law that all diesel trucks have to have this emission scrubber on their uh, exhaust pipe. And oh, it's so wonderful to be an environmentalist to have the patent so I can raise tons and tons and tons and tons of money for my cause that I use the state for the fourth Hey, but did you know that uh, actually, oh, where's this book? I was listening now. Just I was listening to the radio the other day, and you, you and uh, I have some colleagues who find this funny, um, and, and I kind of find it kind of ironic, if not hypocritical. Is you know I, I listen to talk, um, talk radio on the way in the in the work, and um, you know it, by the time I'm driving into work, it's usually about twenty minutes till the hour or something like that, and so most of them are they're they're in their commercial phase or they're trying to sell something, right? And so I'm actually been finding myself uh, listening to Catholic radio on my way in the work. And the only thing that has um, that has interesting, you know, topics. And one uh, the other day, I th- I'm going to look this up and up because I wanted to. Um, as I think they said that Thomas Aquinas was actually an environmentalist, and he wrote. And somebody wrote a, bu- a book about it. Um, um, I'm gonna see if I can find it because I'm I'm typing it in as, as we speak. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Kelly, well, what's, what's you were you you were saying that they needed to get a patent for uh, environmental stuff. So did they have to get a patent to get all the poop control patrol people for San Francisco? Uh, poop con- no, you don't have to get a patent for the poop control. It's San Francisco. There's a whole bunch of homeless poop on the street in San Diego and L.A. And they just kind of there's parts of L.A. that basically you don't go down there because it's tent city, the homeless. And what they tell the homeless is just pooping the on on the curb there, you know, in the gutter. Until the street the street, the street cleaner will come by once a week and clean up your poop. <laughs> that bad. That's disgusting. Which, by the way, the socialist state, um, they have lobbied through all sorts of things. It's democratically controlled for like what, almost twenty years now, and they're using the lobbyist capitalist techniques everywhere. 
So they're using what they hate to favor their political friends. It's so hypocritical. It's unbelievable. All these lobbyist capitalists, as Castro would say, lobbyist capitalist pigs, you know, and they're doing the same damn thing <laughs> that Castro hates their their icon, their socialist, whatever. And 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 so you know, it's either you file a patent, you 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 hire a lobbyist, you get a for sale of your product through the legislature, either a safety item or a um, environmental item. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. It's so hypocritical. It's just so. It's like ah, stop the world. I want to get off. <laughs> It's just funny. All right, back to somebody else. Well, we're actually uh, to the top of the or bottom, actually, uh, of the hour. And so, let's see. I had some articles that we could find again on the Bards Logic Political Talk website uh, on the Bards Logic newsroom, in which you can actually subscribe uh, to the email letter. So, if you haven't done that already. Uh, speak about towards the end of the show doing some advertising. Fine, I'll just do some myself. Even though I hate when I get, I turn on a radio program. That's what I was doing. It's like, hey, I want to hear some Actually, talk radio Robert, here. A bunch of advertisers. Robert. Good. You're, you're not going to believe the timing of this, but I just received an email. It's very short, and it says victims of communism memorial foundation. Uh, what about the timing of this? And it says fellow anti-communists. Uh, more American millennials would prefer to live in a socialist or communist country than in a capitalist one. They said that we conducted with you uh, government last fall. How can so many Americans be so foolish? They're clearly being poorly taught, misguided, or deceived. The Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation wants to get to the bottom of this. So we're conducting a nationwide survey to identify why collectivism, socialism, and communism so popular among young Americans. Is it Marxist college professors? Hollywood celebrities peddling far-left ideology? Horribly biased media? We value your opinion on this. After all, the more we understand what's happening, the better we can connect young people to the truth. And this is an actual foundation I didn't know we didn't even know existed until I just got an email from them. Once again, they're the victims of the Communism Memorial Foundation. Huh. Well, I did, actually, that's kind of a good segue to um, an article I think I have here. Um, oh, let's see. And it's, it's actually about um, millennials. Uh, no, not that one. Let's see. Oh, where is it at? Oh, I'm having a... Now, of course, you know, when you're not looking for it, you see it. And when you're not looking for it, um, oh, my gosh, where is that at? No. I apologize. I can't I can't seem to find it. <laughs> oh, man. Can you get emails from – I get emails. Yeah, you know, basically it was sure. saying that, you know, millennials are, you know, they um, – oh, there we go. Exclusive. Democrats lose ground with millennials. This is a Ruger-Ipsos poll, I guess. Um, it said, Manchester, New Hampshire, enthusiasm for the Democratic Party is waning among millennials 
as its candidates head into the crucial midterm congressional elections, according to the Reuters Ipsos National Opinion Poll. The online survey of more than 16,000 registered voters aged 18 to 34 showed their support for the Democrats over the Republican for Congress slipped by about 9% percentage points over the past two years. Hmm, what's happened in the past two years? Uh, <laughs> to 46% overall. So that's still high. But, and they increasingly say Republican Party is better to steward the economy. Although nearly two of three young voters polled say they do not like Republican President Donald Trump, their distaste for him does not necessarily extend to all Republicans or translate directly into votes for Democratic congressional candidates. That presents a potential problem for Democrats who have come to count millennials as a core constituency and will need all the loyalty they can get to achieve a net gain of 23 seats to capture control of the U.S. House of Representatives in November. Young voters represent an opportunity and a risk for both parties, said Donald Green, a political science professor at Columbia University in New York City. They're not as wedded to one party, Green said. They're easier to convince than, say, your 50- or 60-year-olds who don't really change their minds very often. Terry Hood, 34, an African-American who works at a Dollar General store in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and took this poll this year's poll said he voted for Democrat Hillary Clinton in 2016 presidential election, but he will consider a Republican for Congress because he believes the party is making it easier to find jobs, and he applauds the recent Republican-led tax cut. It's, it sounds strange to me to say this about the Republicans, but they're helping even the small things, Hood said in a phone interview. They're, talking, they're taking less taxes out of my paycheck. I noticed that. The Reuters Ipsos poll surveyed young voters during the first three months of this year and the same period in 2016. Only 28% of those polled expressed overt support for Republicans in the 2018 poll, about the same percentage as two years earlier. But that does not mean the rest will turn out to back Democrats, the survey showed. A growing share of voters between ages 18 and 34 years old said they were undecided would support a third-party candidate or not vote at all. Uh, the shift away from Democrats was more pronounced among white millennials who accounted for two-thirds of all votes cast in the age group. And then here you've kind of got a little graphic there uh, on there. <clears throat> oh, it looks, it continues, goes on. Um, but we can move more with that article. Uh, but, again, you can find it um, on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, and that is the uh, newsroom. And, of course, you can go to the Give, uh, the give page where you can see some wonderful organizations, including my campaign. Uh, and so, well, that doesn't take uh, too much time. I can continue on uh, with the article. But I, I, I don't know how old you are, uh, Joseph, and I'm presuming, at least by, and I'm not asking, though, uh, presuming by the sound of your voice you, you may be uh, the youngest person on this panel <laughs> uh, here. Um, and, and you started off as a, as a Democrat, and you said you moved to Republican. Right. So maybe it would be a good uh, thing for our listeners here who – May be undecided whether they want to do. Uh, what what turns you over into uh, from a Democrat to a Republican, or maybe sure. even from first a liberal all, to I, a conservative? First of all, you actually made my day because I was starting to think at thirty eight I was already heading for the pastures. Um, 
I was born in 1980, the year of Reagan. But uh, I do feel old, and I, I think it's more of a, a, a subconscious, uh, I don't know, feeling or middle, mid, mid-age crisis, or I don't know. But um, I'm not happy to be 38, I guess, because I, I still want to be back in my 20s again, because that was the previous decade. But, well, um, I, I grew up in a very, very open-minded, um, with a very open-minded mother who uh, did not impose her views or her um, uh, the, the, the values that she believed in upon me. She wanted me to be a free thinker. She wanted me to think on my own. She uh, wanted me to stand up for the principles and values that I espoused, that I believed in. Uh, and she emphasized, you know, just because I believe in something doesn't mean you have to. You have to learn how to, you know, think freely on your own. And so um, I didn't become a Democrat or a liberal because uh, I grew up in that household. I did it, you know, as a as a free thinker, and I made that decision on my own as I became a teenager. About the age of 13, I started paying attention to politics. And, um, you know, uh, the Democratic Party back then uh, was, uh, in my opinion, uh, other people could could beg to differ, was a a great party. Uh, We got things done legislatively. Uh, Socially, we were, compared to today's Democratic Party, my God, uh, we were more conservative than anything. And uh, we had eight years of prosperity with Bill Clinton, and things were going great. So, um, that's why I kind of lean towards that direction. And, uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So uh, I became a, uh, uh, a staunch uh, Democrat uh, because of their uh, fiscal policies that were working and uh, their social policies were not radical to me at the time. Um, then in 2007, I was still a... Uh, Democrat, but the last time I campaigned for a Democrat was in 04. That was the Kerry Edwards ticket. That was the last era of uh, Blue Dog Democrats. That's when the party of Bill Clinton basically died. Um, So back in 2007, uh, I did not support Barack Obama, still as a Democrat, only because I knew he didn't have the experience of barely being a United States Senator for two years. So Hillary Clinton was the clear choice. And from a Democratic perspective, um, that this we're not talking about the same Hillary Clinton in 2016. She was still a blue dog Democrat. She was centrist. Her policies were very aligned with the party of Bill Clinton. Uh, I think the worst decision she ever made was to accept the position of Secretary of State and then completely lost her mind and went to the left with, with where Barack Obama took the party with. But the defining moment of when I decided that I could no longer support the Democratic Party was when they passed the Affordable Care Act without one bipartisan support um, or vote. And I said, this is no longer the party of the Democrats. This is a party I can't stand for. This uh, this president has taken this party to the abyss. Um, and I just, I said enough was enough. Um, and, yeah, I was excoriated by a lot of people in my base, but I, I said, well, you know, country above party. And I said, well, it's, it's, it's time to give the Republicans a chance. 
things are not working out, and it was only like barely, uh, uh, um, it wasn't even a full year that Barack Obama, I think it was like a year and a half, right, that Barack Obama was president before the Affordable Care Act was passed? Oh, yeah, pretty much forced through. Exactly, it was forced through. And so at that point, I I hope I got the quote right. Um, like Ronald Reagan once said, um, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. That's how I felt, and uh, I said enough was enough, and uh, that's when I left the Democratic Party because it was no longer the Democratic Party that I, I came to espouse and endear to my heart. It was no longer the Democratic Party of prosperity. It was, it was a totally different altered party for the worse. Well, and, and to remind folks um, about that era, for those who want to, you know, not anyone here, uh, but, you know, for the liberals who, you know, do listen to this show, um, you know, I want to give them a little reminder of something uh, Stance Clinton had on his, uh, I believe it was 2000 and was it, uh, or 1985, not 1985, uh, I have a five State of Union speech, but here it is. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. into that, saying the exact same words and see how they're flying <laughs> off the handle. <laughs> yeah, there's two things that are killing the party, which is socialism and um, well, three. Socialism, bringing in all the immigrants and the environment. Yes, we must preserve the environment for what? Anyway, um, <laughs> I just those are, you know, those are fighting are words, Shelly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, I do environmental consulting. Hello. So, all right. So we have um, an interesting scenario here. When this keeps happening, and are the Democrats going to win? Well, we refer. I would refer you to a statement by Winston Churchill. He said, if you're not a liberal by the time you're 20, you don't have a heart. If you're not a conservative by the time you're 30, you don't have a brain. <laughs> and so the shift yeah, is that. over. Yeah. So the shift, obviously, over time through pain, maturity, and working, and all this stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to keep what I earn. I don't want to give to somebody else what I earn. 
And by the way, I would love to take an English class. Southern Oregon University, <clears throat> you know, it'd be a kick just taking an English class. You got a published author taking an English class. Just shut my mouth for the first few papers. You know, I'm getting all A's and, uh, you know, just shut my mouth and bite my lip and bite my tongue and the socialism, socialism, socialism. Finally, one day I'm going to pipe up and say, So you believe in socialism? Is that correct? Just kind of corner. Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, you know, um, how about you as the authority of the class, all these C and D grades on their paper? Why don't you go ahead and take us A students, and 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 you are the authority. Give, give the give our A grades to uh, the, the C and D grade people, and just kind of even out. We all get a B, right? Well, that might be a good idea. Okay, well, if you believe in socialism that much, why don't you do it? Of course, by then, the A grade people are going to be very upset. All right, so Mr. Uh, Professor, uh, I live in a dorm. A little teeny tiny, you have a really nice house. Do you mind sharing your house with me? You believe in socialism, right? How about your salary? Yeah, your salary. You know, I'm not making much, and I'm trying real hard, but you make, what, 100000 a year? Why don't you go ahead and give me some of your salary? And while you're at it, since I don't have a wife, why don't you share your wife with me? That <laughs> <laughs> you know, note, I have to mention that uh, it is uh, getting close to the top of the hour. We have uh, – all these folks on, I do like to give people the opportunity to give uh, final thoughts on uh, tonight's show. And so it's actually time to do that. Each person actually has about uh, two minutes. Uh, we don't want to feel rushed now. So we'll kind of go down the line here. Uh, and first we will um, go with uh, yourself, Joseph, and then Kelly, and then you, Suzette, I mean, Susan, and then, <laughs> and then Jean, and then John. Uh, it's got about, uh, you know, almost a couple minutes for your closing comments. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it to you, Joseph. Thank you very much, everyone, uh, for coming to the show and looking forward to uh, seeing you next week. Um, and so uh, we'll go from there. Go ahead, uh, Joseph. Sure. Uh, as the midterm elections come closing uh, and coming nearby, uh, I do hope that uh, you have the opportunity to have more candidates on your show. I really think it's awesome when you do uh, because I, I think it just uh, uh, helps to uh, encourage uh, other people to um, uh, to know that there are other candidates out there that are willing to not compromise their principles and put, put, put everything on the line to get elected to, uh, you know, to make change in Washington and defeat the status quo and uh, also inspire other future candidates to run as well uh, and clean up the corruptness that uh, exists in the two-party system. So as we get nearer towards November, uh, I look forward to uh, more candidates coming on your show and uh, look forward yeah, to being definitely. on the show again. Yeah, and no, once the primaries get panned out, we actually uh, have – uh, the people who are running will, uh, you know, for the general election, we're going to be working on getting those there. Thank you very much, Joseph. Appreciate it. Uh, and Kelly, go ahead. Well, I'm I'm just the idea of socialism, the real world, and uh, of course I would never ask another man to share his life with me. I'm just like, but you know, you just call him to the table, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. well, you believe in sharing, don't you? You know, take from another person by force. And give it to another person. They're like, "Come on, guys! It just it doesn't work. 
You know, it lasted, what, 69 years with the communist Russia? It lasted 69 years, and the other country said, we're out of here. So I, I just, I just, you know, obviously I don't like socialism, but I like socializing, but I don't like socialism because it just doesn't work. There's actually a professor who did this. He started to share the grades with everybody. And the A students got a B, and the C students got a B. And what he found out was towards the end of the semester, nobody was working. Nobody even cared, and the whole grade average went down to like a C or a D. It really stunningly a thing there. It just This whole idea doesn't work. So, Oh, but it's a safety net, and it's social justice. Really? <laughs> social justice, really? Okay, you want to share your wife with me? Is that social justice? Are you out of your mind? It's like, I work, I want to keep what I have. I don't want to share with other people by force of gun to have to share with people I don't even know who are sitting on their ass. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just making fun of the hypocrisy. And by the way, they have to use force. Did I mention they have to use force? Yeah, they have to use yeah, force. Yeah, I think like, you may. Yeah, like, oh, gee, you know, the state used force. You got to buy insurance. There's flow. Yeah, the nice progressive. Yeah, okay. Hopefully there'll be a lot of people switching their insurance. Okay. Well, we'll see. The midterms are going to be interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, unless the Democrats cheat. If they cheat in the elections, you know, flip some votes here and there or whatever. Okay. They can either flip some votes or flip some burgers and get a real job. But hey, that's okay. We'll see. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be. I. I'm not. I'm not going to say the Republicans are going to sweep everything. Uh, it, it's going to be strange outcome. So I'll turn it over to you. Okay, and then that brings us to you, Susan. You're horrible. Okay, Kelly, you <laughs> owe me a dinner. You owe me a dinner out <laughs> for this dinner tonight. Out. When, okay, I get yeah. out the, when I get out to Idaho, I'll take you to dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have a lot of dinners from a lot of people at this rate. Now, I thought I'd share with you the little tidbit. Um, Sherrod Brown, and you all know who he is, and Keith Ellison <laughs> keep emailing me because remember that uh, the guy once said he got email. They're asking me for help and money. <laughs> I get one every day from them. So would you, any of you like to be put on their email list? <laughs> I'll gladly share it. Who who who's got the oh, hand raised? You. Oh no, thank you. Darn. Right. <laughs> I, I just I get more emails from Democrats and and I have not given one of them my email address. Well, that maybe one or two when I call, but I think I yeah. They must like me. So that's when I told you that I'm on everybody's list. I'm not joking about it. So if you say you're a friend of mine, you know, it might get you, you get in a Democrats lot of trouble. You. I'm not a Democrat. The way they're emailing me, you might think I was. So I have yet to hear from Mitch McConnell, and I insult him all the time. You know, but what can I say? <laughs> well, hopefully he will be, uh, you know, not not that I'm saying I want the Republicans, not that the majority. I just don't want him to be the majority leader anymore. <laughs> but uh, 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 who knows? 
Would uh, Gene uh, go ahead, sir? I don't know where he's at. Okay, well, while we wait for Gene, let's go ahead and uh, bring it over for John. Well, no, yeah. I think we lost Gene. Deduce, deduce the night on our uh, Accidentally, I was taking the. Did you end it already? Yeah, it looks like no. we, we dropped the call. Okay, say hello. Oh, I accidentally hit the wrong button on my phone. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I had to speak. Yeah, uh, don't have to speak because I'm not able to hear you because Susan has her ears on, but I seen on the oh. news tonight that they were kind of <laughs> getting that narrowed down for more and what's going on with that and. Uh, uh, and then also that with Nitsen they rode against him nine to zero. And I'm not able to hear you guys right now because Susan had that in her ears. I can't hear that. <laughs> Here's uh, um, well, let's go ahead. Now, uh, you. We can, now we can hear you. Now I can hear you. Was you able to hear my last comments or uh, something about Nixon? Yeah, they they like said on the news they were trying to narrow the questions down for Mueller because Mueller made Feeney the president, and then they were talking about Nixon, which you guys have did, and the Supreme Court ruled against Nixon nine to zero. Oh, and then they were they were going to try to work on a two to three hour session with with they would know what the questions were. That's what they're trying to do with this kind of cooperation somewhat with Mueller. Well, we've got the we've got the question. You know, again, you know, there's an article there. It's uh, like the top article on the the website, uh, www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, uh, on the uh, the newsroom, which people can subscribe to. Yeah, it actually is a list, um, and I hate really referring to the New York Times, but that that's the only place I could find the list of what the questions are supposed to be that they want to ask. Uh, and they not just the questions, but I guess New York Times put in there why they think or whatever uh, they're asking for them. So you know, expect kind of a spin on that. But but at this time, we actually have to uh, do move it over to John for his closing comments, so I can uh, close things out on time. Go ahead, John. Yes, everybody, don't forget to call your congressman and your senator, President Trump, and you know Vice President Pence, and say, hey, we have to reduce national debt, strengthen national security reduce poverty, reduce crime, so therefore stop all immigration, stop legal, stop illegal immigration, and get those people who are the legal United States citizens who are on social welfare programs like SNAP, food stamps, unemployment, get them off the public dole because you get them the jobs, they take care of their own lives, their own families, their own homes, and their own neighborhoods. That helps reduce the debt because they're no longer on the public dole, that makes life more worth living for them so they're less likely to steal from their neighbors and whatnot. So that helps reduce crime and it reduces poverty. And so it helps in all those different ways. And those legal Americans have first right of refusal before any foreigners. And don't forget to call and let President Trump and uh, Vice President Pence know to check out openlettertodonaldtrump.com so that way we can kind of get our country back on order or back on you stable ground. You just want me in more trouble. <laughs> Do what? Well, thank you very you much, John, and thank everyone uh, here for uh, calling in tonight. And uh, we'll see you next uh, next week. And, again, yes, 
help me with my campaign by going to the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com uh, with uh, my short-term goal of uh, 500 to to by middle of June, I guess. Uh, so if you feel so well inclined, I appreciate it. But I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with a song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Good night. Mm-hmm.